Hello, Voices of Wrestling listener. Dave Ryan here. Have you ever wondered to yourself, how many hidden gems are hidden away inside the last years of World Championship Wrestling? Have you ever asked yourself how many tenuous gags can be made about the name Mike Enos? And have you ever thought about what it sounds like for two Irishmen to interpret a very chaotic company through its B-show? The answers to all this and more are just a click away. Check out Days of Thunder every second Thursday on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You are listening to the flagship podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Money. That's how you pronounce Rich, I want you to give me one. Money. Is it Money. 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 Not even, it's not money. Money. It's not Monet. It's money. 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 We, we have to pronounce things properly. Oh, of course. Yeah. On this show. Yeah. We're not going to fuck around on this show. Money. 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 It's money. Say it, Rich. Rich Crage. I'm rocking Rich. He's jamming Joe. We got a great show for you. Blake yeah. Job and Chair Shot are here. Yeah. We're ding, 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 ding. We got yeah. like bells ringing every time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we are live on the flagship podcast. I am Rich. He is Joe. Joe, what's happening? I just listened to the intro. Yeah. The, the money. Mm-hmm. That is the most annoying fucking thing <laughs> I've ever not, heard in my life. This is it. For the folks wondering at home, it's it. It's over. That we, we had our fun. We had our giggles. We had our laughs. It was the last time you'll hear the money thing. I promise. It is. It was funny. It was good. We got our jollies. Some people like it. Some people hate it. I'm good. It's over. It, 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 I, I should have changed it already. It's February. That should have been our January thing. One more week for y'all. And now it's over. It's gone. So wave goodbye to the money thing. I can't believe we've subjected people to that. That is a, that is infuriating. Not how annoying good. it is. I had to edit. I mean, it. I had to sit there and listen to the show and find every time that you said money and edit them all together. That was it, I was I was mad at you when that was over, and then I, I put it on there thinking that everybody was going to be like, "Oh, gross, never again." But half these masochists were like, "Oh, it's hilarious! More, more, more!" But. Uh, uh, no more. No, it, it, it's uh, it's it's got to stop. So that's terrible. I do notice too that um, you just dropped a y'all. Are, did are, I? Is do, do people do people go with the y'all in Chicago frequently? No, or? no, never really. Yeah, never interesting. really. Very interesting. I, Very I interesting. didn't even realize I did that. Wow. Okay. It, you just hmm. you said you said something about y'all in reference to the listeners. Okay. And um, obviously, I'm exposed to y'all constantly, um, but I, I was surprised to hear you drop a y'all. I've never heard you say a y'all. I, you know, um, I don't usually. I don't know why I did. I, I don't even. I don't even remember doing it. I don't know what happened. Does the nurse say y'all? Uh, no, never. Yeah, never. interesting. I'm not sure. Yeah, that's that's strange. I don't know what happened there. I've uh, 
man, I, I can't believe I just I just did the math. I'm going on 14 years in Texas, and um, I've never dropped a y'all. I I'm, I have made the vow and the promise to myself that the moment I dropped a y'all, I was going to pack my shit up, put the house for sale, and go back to New Jersey. That's Those are my limits. I'll live here. I will not say y'all. I will not use ranch dressing. You know, those are two concessions I will not make. How about a cowboy hat? Will you wear a cowboy hat? I mean, as a gag. Have Well, I guess my follow-up question is, have you wore a cowboy hat? I have a picture when I was uh, two years old. Uh, no, no, I mean, wearing... I mean, no, I don't care about two years old. Who cares about two years old? You mean, I mean in Texas as an adult? No, I'm not going to wear a cowboy hat. <laughs> okay. like, or those shit kicker boots. None of that. None of that. Um, but I think I would wear a cowboy hat before I would purposely say y'all. Okay. I, I, yeah. Is that so? That's the limit. The y'all is 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 the limit for you. Y'all is my breaking point. You know, when I moved here, I took a lot of shit from the people I worked with because I would frequently say you guys, and I didn't realize that saying you guys was like some kind of northern thing. Like in referencing a group of people, like uh, for example, uh, well, you know, you guys are being ridiculous with this, you know, whatever. Like they would say, you don't say that here. You say y'all. And I was like, I do not, nay, I do not say y'all. Yeah, yeah, I will yeah, never right. say y'all. So, um, I, you know, I, I didn't know that was the northern equivalent of y'all. I still think those people are wrong. I think everybody says you guys. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, because I say you guys, but that, I don't know if I'm a, uh, a northern elite like you are. I don't know if I'm an east coast elitist like you are in New Jersey. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do you guys for everything. I do guys. You, you know me. I do guys. I use guys for, yeah. to, to describe literally everything: inanimate objects, uh, every human, uh, anything, uh, dogs, cats. I, everything is guys. Yeah, those guys over there. I'm gonna grab one yeah. of those guys. You know, just I, everything is guys for some reason. Yeah, yeah. You're reaching for a snack. Hey, hand those guys over. Here. Like, <laughs> right. You know. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Someone in the chat is bringing up the derivative of you guys, the use guys. Which I have never said. I would never say that either. Yeah, no. I I am not some, I am not some corner bookie in Hoboken. That's who would say use guys. I'm not that bad. Okay, I'm not like, you know, some some uh, some sh- you know street guy, uh, some some uh, some <laughs> low level street thug, uh, you know, uh, ma- down uh, far down on the cha- mafia chain. Those are the use guys. I would never say use guys. Okay, but I do say you guys frequently, but I I feel like that's not even a northern thing. I feel like you guys is a universal American thing no matter where you go. But these Texas people were all over me for it and they tried to convert me to y'all. I'm never saying and you hold you you held strong. That's good. I've never even slipped and said of y'all. In fact, I mean, you've been communicating with me and talking with me for like 11, 12 years. I don't even feel like I've picked up any Texas accents. You really haven't. Yeah, I was going to say that that I think I find the most fascinating about you because I am somebody that when I go to a place and I'm there for a couple of weeks, I don't like I, I, I find myself a little bit. Especially if it's a strong thing, like if I'm in in, in, in Charleston, South Carolina, and and and, and I don't think you've I, I don't know you've never been to Charleston. You're not kind of but but 
I don't know if you know like what people sound like there. Or if you ever watch, you ever watch the show Southern Charm, or does the, the TLB watch Southern Charm at all, or anything? Never heard of it. Never heard of it. Okay, that's fine. That's good. That, that, that's okay. It's my trash TV choice of of, of of choice because I know stuff about Charleston, but it's a very heavy, weird accent that's pretty much it, it's there. It, you know what I mean? Like, but it's ubiquitous when you're there you just hear it over and over and over again everybody talks like that the second i open my mouth they say ah there's a yankee <laughs> they know it from the second because i'm talking so fast and i always get hey slow down yankee what's the rush where's the fire and then these like weird southern terms or but like when you're there for like a week or two you start to kind of i don't know i find myself I don't, I don't necessarily start talking that way, but I feel like I can understand them a little bit better. I feel like I'm talking a little slower. I'm not fully picking up on it, but I'm starting to get some of that. When I was in Italy, it was the same way. We're like, after two weeks in Italy, I was able to, I was just having like basic conversations in Italian. I don't remember any of it. I couldn't tell you now what I was saying, but like, because we had to order all our food that way, or when you had to greet somebody, you did it. So that by the time I left there after like two weeks, I kind of picked, I would, I felt like I was kind of talking like whereas you've been in Texas for 14 years now and you just sound like fucking Jersey Joe still you haven't changed at all and I I, I find that fascinating because I, I hear TLB TLB's Texas through and through kind of you know she's, like, she's not she's not like hard like but she's yeah. got a little bit. You could tell she's from Texas. Like you might you not know, notice it now because you're with her. She's from Texas. Right. Like, just like you say, you're the right. nurse is from Chicago. Yeah, she thinks you're, you're right. out of your mind. She thinks you're lying. And I don't really pick up on it. But when you hear the nurse talk, you're like, holy shit, listen to this Miss Chicago over here. And yeah, I don't necessarily yeah. pick up on that. I pick up on it a little bit with TLB, which I find fascinating that you're in that same household and you haven't really, you, you have none of the drawl, none, none of the accent whatsoever. I don't know. Like, it's not, I just haven't picked up anything. Like, I don't find myself saying any of that stuff. The thing about uh, TLB is when she, like, if, like, if she is on the phone with her mother, like when she gets off the phone with her mother, now she's like Dixie Carter. Now she's like, (laughs) she like picks up whoever she's talking to. So maybe because she lives with me, it's her Texas accent, her Texas accent and her Texas ways of speaking are a little leveled off because she's picking stuff up from me. Right. Right. Um, because she's the kind of person like you, where if she talks to someone for 10 minutes, she picks up all of their ticks immediately. She, I always know we, we have a running gag. I always know who was, she was on the phone with last because I'm like, Oh, you just talked to your sister. She's like, how do you know? I'm like, cause you're talking like your sister, like you're using her words and her slang and her vernacular she and, and same thing when she talks to her mother or, or certain friends. Um, me, I don't know. I, I haven't picked up any of this stuff. Like, I don't even say any like distinctive Texas words. I don't know. I've been here almost 15 years now. It'll be 14 years in April, which blows my mind. I just, I can't even, I can't even believe it. But yeah, to me, the nurse is like, that, that's like super thick Chicago. Worse you, than you. you think you think like, she's the fifth person on the super fans or whatever that walks yeah. in and like serves the super fans their beer or something like that on SNL. Yeah. Um, no, she, I, and I, I, I rag out. I, ever since you did that, I got it on her all the time. Cause she will, she'll drop some things here and there, some real nasally. And I'll be like, there's the Chicago accent again. She's like, I don't, and she gets infuriated about it, but uh, it's good. It's fun. So I, I appreciate you doing that. And I said, well, the listeners said the same thing. I don't even know if they said that. I'm not sure if they did. It's, it's mostly a you thing, but I uh, know, I, you know, use it as ammo. 
the kids are picking up Jersey stuff. And no, oh, that's not, not good. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out what what would you rather have, Jersey or Texas out of the children? I don't know. Maybe not even Jersey stuff, just like Jolanza stuff. Like, even worse, like, <laughs> much worse. Like she told, she told the girl to clean her room or something. She was like, "I did it already," like that. And oh like, no! Oh my god! Oh my god! You've created this <laughs> monster. This <laughs> you're creating monsters here. You can't do this. <laughs> she starts talking about the gimmicks. Yeah, I gotta get the gimmicks. I'll be right back. You know? Yeah, yeah. No, I got I got TLB saying gimmicks. Oh, uh, she boy. says gimmicks all the time. She says she uses gimmicks all the time. So w- I I taught the boy to say oof maron right. Uh huh. Uh huh. I spent an entire afternoon <laughs> teaching him that, just so he would say it when his mother's home, you know, and so she would flip out, you know. So, uh, but then like he doesn't understand like. So he said it in front. He goes, oof, my own. Right. And she's like, and we sold it. But because we sold it and it got over, now he keeps saying it because he knows it. Oh, he's just old. going to the act over and over and over again. He doesn't know the context of it or when you're no. supposed to use it. He's just, he's just, he's just spamming it now. He's like, yeah, it got over. He got over. So now he's like, he's going to be a WWE writer when he gets older. <laughs> subtlety <laughs> hammer. Future director of lore uh, in the company. Yeah, so now he just he just uh, oof my own oof my own you know I'm like listen you, you there's a certain time pick your you spots need to you got to pick your spots kid yeah 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 you know so then I had to explain to him when to say it and you know he did it he did it for like a week and then he you know he's a kid so he forgot about it but um but but yeah so they're picking up some Jolanza things I don't even know if they're necessarily Jersey things what's funny is when I go back to New Jersey as soon as I leave the airport and I go anywhere a, a, a you know family's house a restaurant, the streets, it fucking hits me, the accents. It's so weird. Like, even though I have it, when I hear it, I'm like, whoa, these people, what's wrong with them? You know, because I'm never around it anymore. <laughs> right, right. You know, like I talk to my mother and I'm like, holy shit. Like, this is like, almost, I almost can't understand you. You know, it's like, um, so maybe I have lost it a little because when I go there, I feel like I'm in a, I'm in another world. You know, because, you know, I, I don't, it, it's so, so I don't know, but um, maybe the listeners are, are the ones who know best whether um, my accent has changed at all over the years. I really don't think it has, though. I, mean, I, you I feel like you're about anything. the same. Yeah, I, I feel like you're about the same. I feel like we're both kind of the same uh, accent wise. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to listen back to an old episode, but that'd be just terrible to listen to. So I, there's no, some people that go out there that. and listen. I'm listening to your, you know, uh, your SummerSlam review from nine years ago. And I'm like, why? Don't do that. It's and then fun. I'm always thinking. And then I'm always thinking, ah, shit, what I say. <laughs> right? Like, right? don't do that. There's probably something bad. <laughs> what am I getting? Joe probably for? said something terrible there. So, you know, <laughs> you know. So you yeah. know, it's probably not the best idea. <laughs> then again, like when I go back in the old ones, I'm always afraid something awful but then it never it's never the same fun. dumb show we just goof around and <laughs> say dumb shit and then bury wwe or so it's, it's always the same yeah it's been pretty much the same thing for 11 years it's working out pretty well for us so uh yeah that that's that's that uh happy groundhog day as well i i know you're a big fan of the holiday <laughs> groundhog day uh the fucking uh the one's dead the one groundhog's dead i forget which one um in some town is dead i don't know if the the normal phil is still good to go i think he is the the the, the classic groundhog is still there it's just the weirdest try explaining that to somebody who doesn't know a thing about groundhog day <laughs> it's like the girl asked me the other day coming home from school 
She's like, uh, Groundhog Day's coming. I'm like, all right. She's <laughs> <So>. like, <laughs> yeah. She's, when you're an adult, you have no idea it's Groundhog Day anymore. But when you're a kid, it's like I don't. I forget why. Yeah. But as a kid, I like, I look, look. For, oh man, three more days till Groundhog Day. As an adult, I have no idea until someone tells me Happy Groundhog Day, and I'm like, what are you? What? Okay, February second. All right, cool. February or uh, whatever. It's, it's one know. of them things that the fucking teachers like to talk about it. So that's just a waste time. Just to waste an hour talking about. Yeah, so they come home with drawings of groundhogs and <laughs> weird animals, this, this other bullshit, you know. Um, but uh, she, so she's like, "It's Groundhog Day," so she goes, um, "What is it again?" If he sees his shadow, and I was like, "I have no." <laughs> Honestly, kid, I have no. If he sees his shadow, it is or it is. That's always every single year that same conversation that happens in my household too. Where I'll tell the nurse, "Hey, you know the groundhog saw his shadow," and she goes, "Oh, does that mean more winter or less?" And I go. I don't know. I'm not sure. So I never know. I'm not sure. I don't know which one it is because I'm always yeah. like, yeah, he saw a shadow, you know, and she's like, oh, OK, cool. What does that mean? And I'm like, I, I don't know that. I just know he saw a shadow. I'm not sure anything more than that. So so I go, uh, I think it means there's uh, six more weeks of winter. And she goes, oh, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. It means uh, so it means there's no more winter. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, what, what do you want? What do you want to yeah. be happy about? That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, like I don't want to break her heart and tell her. Phil, get out of here! Yeah. I don't want to be like, listen, it's all bullshit. I can't say that. You know what I mean? Well, so, it's also it's, it's just, weird because like they're like, oh shock, six more weeks of winter, and it's like I don't know, that's like pretty normal, isn't it? I don't know, like winter's yeah. never gone away in mid February. <laughs> like it's always for me at least. I, I'm not sure about you, but obviously living in New Jersey, like March is not great. You know what I mean? March is pretty shitty. So it's like. I'm not exactly heartbroken that, you know, March is also going to be shitty again, like it always is every single year. So I'm not sure, honestly, even what the uh, has anybody ever done like analytics on on, on Puxatawney Phil, if he actually knows what he's talking about here. Uh, ask that. Ask that. Fuck. Ask Nate Silver. Maybe <laughs> yeah, Nate Silver's done some work on it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the go to guy for that bullshit. I'm sure he has done some work on it. Um didn't he lose some cred? Hasn't he been wrong about a lot of things lately <laughs> or something? Phil, I think. Uh, um, nah, Nate Silver. Oh, Nate Silver. I thought you were talking about the groundhog. And I was like, yeah, yeah I mean, I sure, I guess. Uh, yeah, Nate's, Nate Nate got real lucky on one presidential election and has been kind of on fumes about that for a couple of years now. And yeah, uh, yeah I don't think he's I, I don't think he's been nailing a lot of the stuff lately. But um, didn't he start with like sports analytics or of something? Of course, yeah, and, baseball perspectives. He was a BP guy for a so, long, 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 long time. Yeah, Pakoda, and uh, I think Pakoda was his thing. I, I, so don't, then he, don't quote me on that, but he was Pakoda. But then he started saying, hey, maybe these, you know, projection models can look at, you know, U.S. elections. And I believe he got 2008 right or something. I, I forget what it was, but it was it's like. Even at the time, I was like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Obama won. <laughs> like, that's probably going to happen. Like, I feel like everybody, but it was something like he nailed it exactly. Like, the projection model nailed every state exactly right and every percentage pretty much right or whatever. And it was like, all right. And then that's when he created his website and started growing and growing and growing. And I think, yeah, I think he's had some, some body blows since then. So, um, there's like eight states that are unpredictable, though. Right, right. And it's you know the same I mean? eight every single so, year, every single time. So it's like, okay. Yeah. So I could see, you getting very lucky with like Ohio and, and you know, fucking Florida or whatever the fuck. And then, you know, so I guess, you know, for 12 years, like you're saying, he's just been, has been coasting on uh, getting those eight States, right. 12 years ago. But uh, I, I just, uh, I'm being told by someone in the note of chat, Nate Silver's record is great. Actually, rich is dead wrong here. I don't. Okay. 
I mean, I don't. You don't hear his name anymore. So if he's I don't know. Great, I, I see. I see people I, dogging on him all the time. So I, I don't see follow because I don't give a shit. I don't care. But like, I don't know. People seem to be dogging the guy all the time. So I don't know if that he's. I don't know if his record's great uh, because nobody talks about five thirty eight anymore. So anyway, he gets ragged on constantly. I. I but then again, I mean, everyone does. Who does he get ragged on constantly? Right? Everyone and everything is bad. We all know. That. Right. Right. Well, uh, I, then I either apologize or I don't apologize to Nate Silver. I don't really care. Uh, once he stopped doing Pakoda and writing in baseball perspectives, I, I stopped giving a shit about Nate Silver. Yeah, you so. know, yeah, fuck, fuck Nate Silver. Who cares about Nate Silver? <laughs> right. You know, fuck Nate Silver. Fuck that dopey groundhog. What even is a groundhog? It's like a beaver without the flat gimmick. <laughs> right. It's, a, it's like right. An, un, it's an unhelpful. Uh, it's an unhelpful beaver, basically. Uh, it's just uh, what's the point of a groundhog? Like, what <laughs> I the, mean, they're pretty cool. I like groundhogs, but the fuck, do they do? You know, they just. They're just stupid and fat, and they they just they don't have the flat tail like the beaver. Beaver has a skill, you know. A beaver with those fucking teeth and that fucking tail of theirs, they'll, they'll build shit, you know. They'll stop up a creek, build a dam. What does a what does a groundhog do? <laughs> like, what's its purpose? Does it kill? Does it kill predators? Does it? Uh, what is its contribution to the cycle of life and the ecosystem? You're asking the wrong guy. I don't know. I, I I have no I have no groundhog knowledge whatsoever. I know I know that they do have big teeth and they make holes, but that's about the most the extent uh, of my uh, my groundhog. I, I know they 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 whistle or yell. I think whistle pig is like their 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 nickname, what? and that's all I know. Yeah, it's all I they can. whistle. They whistle. Yeah. So it's not a. It doesn't have the skills of a beaver. No. It's it's not. A few as do the beaver. A beaver is like pretty awesome. Beavers are cool. It's. It's not as effective as a mole. So what the fuck you what's the use? It just <laughs> I, I think it's about as effective as a mole. I think I think they're in the mole family ish. Do not quote me on that. I do not need to. I, when I say they're in the mole family, I don't literally mean I don't know. <laughs> so don't come at me with actually they're in the marmot family or whatever. I don't care. I don't care. You right. don't have to correct me. I just mean in the same like pantheon of of of. Animals a like <laughs> the marmots are sweet. <laughs> a marmot, <You're> like <laughs> groundhogs actually a marsupial. <laughs> right, actually, it's the world's largest rodent. Okay, cool. I right. don't care. Yeah, like, no one cares. <laughs> I don't nobody, give a shit, dude. Um, yeah, cares. I just they dig holes, and that's I. That's all I got. So I, I don't know anything else about them. They dig holes, and they incorrectly predict uh, weather. We're, we're being told in the room chat room they uh, the percentage. Uh, for Puxatawney Phil, not great. 39% uh, of the time is he uh, accurate on his... Uh... Yeah, see, he's, it's shit. These groundhogs are shit. So... <laughs> what are we doing? So what are we doing? Let's, let's move Wait, past. but 39%, 39% at what? At predicting if there's... But then this is the thing, too. Like, what are we judging on? More winter or less winter? Like, what, what are we... How do we declare winter over? And where? Right. Like, it, well, like yeah. it's the whole country. <laughs> so it's not even like... like the winter could be done in, you know... Colorado, but then the winter, it, it's still cold in Chicago. You know, it, it, this is ridiculous. Well, I can't believe it. You know, we, we're we in the midst of our winter freeze. In yeah. Are you, are you one? Of, I, I have no, I'm like your mother who has no concept of how big Texas is or where things are in Texas. Are you also frozen? Like completely everything's iced by you or no? Is that just like Dallas and Fort Worth and you're going to be, you're going to be so disgusted. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Because I was disgusted. Tuesday night. We get an email. They closed school on Wednesday because it was going to be too cold. Oh, okay. 
No precipitation, Rich. <laughs> just too cold. Just too cold. So there was no school on Wednesday, which I found outrageous. Now what's now? What are we talking temp wise? The, listen, it's been wet and nasty and cold. All I can tell you is it wasn't nothing. It didn't even freeze. Like it was just wet outside, and they closed the schools. It it, it was utterly ridiculous. These people, they just don't know. It, as soon as it dips below forty, it's a state of panic around here. Now, on the rare occasion it snows, I understand, because they don't know how to drive in the snow. That's understandable. They'd all be dead. They're all going to be in a ditch. It's it. So when it does snow, I understand, even when it's a dusting, why they shut things down. But they shut down everything because it was cold on Wednesday. It's just gross. But what can you do? What do these people know? No, they, do they have heaters? Like, I, I imagine the Texas school doesn't have heat, right? I, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, because like the... We have the inverse here in Chicago where we don't have air. Like a lot of our schools have no air conditioning. So there used to be times in like the fall when we get into school and it'd be like 95 degrees out and we're just sweating our asses off. And the teachers have all the windows open and stuff because they were just like, screw that. We don't we don't have, you know, we don't have air conditioners because we're never in school when we need air conditioners. So who cares? You'd have to eat shit for like a week or two in September, but then you'll be fine. It's cool. Like end of August, early September, you'll be fine. You'll move on. Um, But yeah, I wonder if it's the it's probably the inverse in Texas. They probably just don't have heaters. So I can imagine that. um, So leave your fucking jacket on. I look. (laughs) I agree. You know what I mean? Jeez. No, I'm pretty. They, they got a brand new school. You've been in a school lately? Oh, they're, I mean, they're palaces. Oh, my God. They built this fucking thing like three years ago. So, you know, I go I go to these parent-teacher bullshits, right? They don't even – do you know – I'm probably going to date myself here, but that's okay. Rich, do you know they don't have chalkboards anymore? <laughs> why, why would they? They don't have chalkboards. You, you are anymore. dating yourself. Even when I was in high school, they got rid of all of our chalkboards. So you didn't have chalkboards. No, we in high, had uh, we just had whiteboards. We just had whiteboards everywhere. What year did you graduate? No, 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 no. Oh no! So you're dating yourself too, buddy. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> right, bro. I, uh, I graduated in about. 2005. Is when I graduated. Yeah, all these people in the chat saying marker boards. Now you're all wrong too. You know what they have in every classroom in that school now? They're fucking like 50 inch television monitors. That look like TVs, right? And then they have these special, like, weird writing pens that are only specific for the monitor, and it's all, like, electronic. Like the smart boards, I think they're called, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. And you go in, and, you know, there's a screen. It it has their whole itinerary, like, listed on the side. You know, 1 o'clock, we're doing the fucking alphabet. 2 o'clock, you know, whatever the fuck, going outside to play with rocks. 3 o'clock, or, you know, 1230, recess, whatever. And the teacher has like this gimmick that 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 writes on the fucking like, and it has wheels. They can move it anywhere they want. That shit blew me away. I'm used to so, uh, some type of board on the fucking wall, either you, with chalk or the fucking dry erase, like you're talking about. That's what I had. This is crazy. They 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 don't have that anymore. It just doesn't exist. This sounds like a school that definitely has a heater, right? They have heating and air conditioning I, for sure. I'm sure they do. I mean, it's a brand new. They built it three years ago. I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it has it's got both. So they, they they must have all that shit. Um, but uh, I don't know what the fuck are we even talking about. No, nah, we were talking about groundhogs and stuff. But I think I guess we can talk about wrestling at some point today. And and while uh, unfortunately the wrestling we're gonna have to start off talking about here 
Uh, we're going to get to plenty of other stuff uh, as well. We'll talk about the Royal Rumble. We'll review uh, the Royal Rumble. We'll talk about the WrestleMania Goes Hollywood card so far. I'm going to – if you think I'm going to ever call it WrestleMania 39 or whatever and not just go by WrestleMania Goes Hollywood Saturday and WrestleMania Goes Hollywood Sunday, you do not know me because it is going to be WrestleMania Goes Hollywood the entire time uh, this WrestleMania. But uh, uh, AW House Shows, we'll talk about that. Reels, we'll do a hey – do you have reels <laughs> segment to figure out if we do, in fact, have reels because uh, reels is going to start getting into the wrestling game. Uh, CMLL last. I cannot fathom the last time that you and I talked. Can't even re- even predict or try to guess the last time we talked about CML, probably 2019, maybe early 2020 in, in, in a context of, hey, we watch CML and let's talk about it and not, hey, is CML going to die or what? Because that's maybe what we did in 2020 and 2021, where it felt like, oh, my God, this institution that's been around, you know, for 90 years at this point or or whatever felt like it was on death's door, uh, but it's hot. It's back, baby. So we're going to talk about CMLL. Uh, also, the Kota Ibushi situation. So obviously, if you're a subscriber to FlagshipPatreon.com, uh, none of this Kota Ibushi news from this week uh, is a big surprise to you because you know we've we've been reporting it. You've been reporting it for what felt like about a year now, <laughs> you know, basically for months and months and months reporting exactly what happened and exactly how it was going to happen. It all went down exactly as you said, but uh, we're still going to recap what happened there with Kota Bushi, uh, what's next for him and, and uh, a little bit of uh, uh, speculation about, yeah, what we think might be next for him or, or, or what's going to happen. Uh, also new Japan's got the new beginning shows coming up this weekend. Uh, but we are going to have to start off. Unfortunately with the news that Lanny Pafo leaping Lanny Pafo uh, passed away at the age of 68 hacksaw jim duggan was the first to share the news uh online and uh yeah unfortunately we have to bid adieu and, and discuss the life and career of leaping lanny poffo joe what, what are your lanny poffo memories i always thought he was very underrated i mean whenever we've talked about lanny poffo um you know i i whenever i watch his, his stuff and you know in a lot of places he was used as a job guy or an enhancement guy or a jobber to the stars but his stuff was always ahead of its time. And I thought that, um, you know, for his time, he was a very forward thinking and innovative wrestler who was doing stuff that you really wouldn't see again, you know, until 10, 15 years later. Um, and, 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 and in places where he was pushed, like his father's promotion, um, you know, international championship wrestling, which was the, the outlaw promotion that ran against Memphis there in the early eighties or um, whether it was later on in WWE as the genius, I thought that he was always uh, performed well. And, and you know what? I got to get this, this dog is, can you hear this dog snoring in the room? (laughs) I got to get rid of this dog. There's usually a dog snoring near me at all times. I can't hear your dog snoring probably because my dogs are snoring too. I can't concentrate. So, Now you say what you thought of Lanny Poffo. I'm gonna okay. get rid of this fucking dog, and then I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna be like, oh, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, <laughs> Just I, pick I, on, I, pick up on whatever last word I say and, and enter the conversation. Yes. Uh, yeah, leaping Lanny Poffo. I, I think what, what Joe mentioned at the top uh, of his portion is probably what made me what, what I remember most about Lanny Poffo. And there's a few other things we'll talk about because I I have a, a pretty strong connection to him because he's from my hometown and there's not a whole lot of people from my hometown, especially uh, in the world of wrestling. But, uh, you know, 
I first knew about him as the genius or whatever, but then going back and watching the Leaping Lanny stuff and and, and seeing what he was and uh, and what the character was and what what how his wrestling style was really blows your mind because now going back and watching a lot of the stuff that he did and the time that he was doing it in the company that he was doing it in. Um, All right, thanks. <laughs> just absolutely blew my mind. That was louder than the dog snoring. Joe's complaining about the dog snoring. He's screaming about the dog louder than that. Anyway, uh, the thing- <laughs> the, 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 it's this mic now. It's like you can't really have a. Well, you're like, oh, the dog snoring. Oh, can you hear that? And then you're like, ah, get this fucking dog. It was way louder than the dog snoring. <laughs> way louder. <laughs> the poor dog just sleeping. Didn't hear it. Nobody heard it. But then everybody heard you go, I oh, got this goddamn dog out of here. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, she's out of here now. So <laughs> anyway, um, so Leaping Lanny, like the thing that I always was was drawn to, you know, later, you know, watching his Leaping Lanny stuff and, and watching, especially what he did in WWF, is just how he was doing stuff that might you watch it now and you watch like, you know, a, a, a mid 80s Leaping Lanny match now. And yeah, it's like he's doing a crossbody and he's doing like a springboard and you're like, all right, yeah, whatever. But like that was that company in that era and that time. And you can even hear it from the announcers who every time he's in there go like, whoa, leaping Lanny, look at that performance. You know, it's like the stuff he was doing was blowing people's minds and the crowds were going nuts and everything was good. And the idea that he, you know, just the ability to do what he was able to do. And I, I think a lot of that was probably the family that he came from. Uh, the fact that he was Macho Man's brother is that I'm surprised WWF let, him do it and just said yeah you know what that's your character that's your thing you be leaping landy you go do that because that was a company that just was so focused on big men and strong brutes and all this sort of stuff and he was such a change of pace and so different than all those things that it really jumps off the page especially if you watch a show in full and it's like all these same matches where these guys are just you know clubbing each other on the back and hold and there's like you know the, the, especially like the you know eighty five to it started to it started to get a little bit better as you got into you know eighty six eighty seven or whatever but it was still a very very slow company and a very slow territory and then here comes Leaping Lanny and he just bursts off the screen very very similar to why the tiger mask and dynamite kid stuff was so crazy is because it was like, holy crap, this feels like it's from a different universe and it's being on this show or whatever. And I, I, I get that with leaping Lanny as well. And it, it, it's made it really fun to watch his matches and how the crowd reacts and how the announcers react and how the other wrestlers react. And that's kind of what his lasting legacy I think would be for me is that felt like a guy, like you said, 10 or 15 years ahead of his time, you know, wrestling in, in, in early to mid eighties WWF and, and just blowing people's minds with like cross bodies or whatever. But it was, it was innovative at that time. And it was daring for him to come to that company with that style. Yeah. He, um, I, I was watching a match today against, uh, Mr. X. Ah, I watched who, the same one. Yeah. Monsoon classic. I saw, I went to my, I was like, ah, you know what? Monsoon class is going to have a good Lanny match. Right. So I typed, I went to Monsoon classic. I typed in Lanny Poffo and Mr. X. That's the exact one. That's the exact match. I just watched It's probably from 85 or 86. Um, uh, Mr. X was Danny Davis, the referee who then did the heel referee gimmick and then became the, you know, his gimmick, you know, and then he, just joined Jimmy Hart's stable. I'm sure everybody remembers Dan, or maybe was, they don't. He was great as Mr. X, by the way. Did, did you catch? Were you listening to that the match as well, or just watching it? 
No, I had sound on, yeah. Okay, because like, there's one point where Lanny does something, and Mr. X goes, he's pulling on my hair. <laughs> and the referee goes, because he's, I, I forget, where was this from? Was it Boston Gardeners? I forget where it was. But the, it was a very ethnic referee, because he's like, hey, you, know, you ain't got no hair. <laughs> I was just yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. my God. He's like, what hair, X? You ain't got no I was just like, oh, man. This is old school WWF, yeah. man. Like, this is classic stuff, just, you know. Yeah, just Eastern <laughs> Seaboard referee. What insert Eastern Seaboard town referee? Like, yeah, it was from um, July twenty first, nineteen eighty five. Um, let me see if I could find the town. Obviously, they were still. That was pre full expansion. Right, obviously. right, right. Uh, oh, this guy was from the East Coast. He was definitely East. I'll tell you that, but for sure. Let's see. Uh, yeah, July twenty first, nineteen eighty five. But that's the air date because this isn't. Uh, but then again, cage match isn't entirely complete. Right, right, right. From that era either. So no, it's not. That match isn't on cage match. So I, I don't, and I don't really recognize the arena. Um, who did commentary? Maybe I could figure. It, it was out Jesse and I think Gorilla. Yeah, it was definitely um, Jesse. I, I know for a fact Jesse was 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 in it. You know, it's from All Star Wrestling, so it might not be from one of the big. It might not be from Boston, Philly, oh, New that's, York. That's true. Toronto. That's true. It was pretty dark. I'll tell you. The, the, I don't know yeah. where they were, but it was very. You could see the ring, and that's about it. Anyway, it's a short match, but um, Papo finishes the match. He wins the match. Well, first he right out of the gate he gives him um, like a Death Rider. Like the, the first move yeah. of the match is what we call today a death rider, right? So he get, does like the double arm DDT and Mr. X goes flying over and, and does the flip bump. And then the finish of the match, yeah, they, he like does a nip up, you know, he, he, they do a side headlock and he takes him down and then, and then Papo does a nip up and Mr. X is like all confused by this. Like, ah, well, this, this, I can't handle this athleticism. Right. And then, uh, he finishes the match. He does a springboard splash. And again, this is 1985. This just, just wasn't done. And then he pulls and him I, in. I, the- I want to note about that springboard is WWF's ropes were always so loose. Oh, so he loose. Was, he was hanging on for his dear life trying to do a springboard on those fucking ropes. Yeah. And then um, then after he springboards them. Yeah, there he does. See, I'm watching the match now. He does like a little backwards monkey flip into a head scissor out of the corner. Another nip up. I mean, this is just, and then he's doing backflips when Mr. X is on the, is, is on the, is, uh, you know, mixed, Mr. X takes a powder and rolls out of the ring and Papo just starts doing backflips like he's ricochet. Like this is 1985. And then, like I said, he finishes with the springboard splash and then he goes up and he does the moonsault off the top rope, which wasn't even called a moonsault yet. And every time he does this move, I was watching a match from Memphis earlier today against Eddie Gilbert and, from 1983. And, uh, you know, Lance Russell, you know, he just called, oh, the backwards flip off of the top rope. Like, the, the they don't even know what it's called. Yeah, they have yet. no idea what it's called. Yeah, so Papo skins the cat in this match. This is the match, I think, this is the wreck I want to give everybody. If you want to see what we're talking about when it comes to Papo doing things that were 15 years ahead of its time, Lenny Papo versus Mr. X from Monsoon Classics account. July 21st, 1985, because it's a short little, it's, it's, it's a four and a half minute video, but he crams everything in. Yeah. Yeah. He gets gets his shit in for sure. And, and what's funny is I have seen 
Danny Davis work as Mr. X in other matches where he would do springboard moves, which he clearly picked up from Poffo, right? So it's like, this shit almost picked up steam then, but then it kind of just died out. And then we didn't see springboard moves again, what, until the 2000s? Or I guess in the, the, the mid-90s with, with people like Van Damme and people like that, right? So it, so about 10 years, you know, until springboard moves really came back and and were, um, were happening more frequently. I mean, because, you know, in the 80s, I can't really think of anybody else who was doing springboard moves you know, other than Papo on a, on a regular basis. Um, you know, even in Japan, people like, you know, this is 85. So people like Dynamite Kid and Tiger Mask, they weren't doing springboards. I mean, they were doing other shit that was innovative and new at the time. But, um, you know, not like springboard moves and moonsaults. I mean, so, you know, Papo, and, you know, like I said, he didn't really in a lot of the places he worked, he wasn't pushed. He was, he was an underneath guy. Like he'd come into a territory and win a little bit. And like, like, like Bill Watt, like mid South, he was, you know, he was a job guy in mid South. Um, you know, he's a job guy in, in, for Crockett, but he got pushed in his father's promotion and he had that feud with Rip Rogers and, um, and they had a famous cage match, which, you know, a lot of people think that's probably the best match of Lanny Poffo's career. Um, have you ever seen the, the Rip Rogers cage match? Uh, I have, but it's been many, many years. I actually wanted to go back. I, I was I was hoping to go back and watch it before the show today, but uh, it, it, it's pretty easy to find, right? No, I watched it today. Yeah, so what, would, would you watch it on? Just to... It's on YouTube, and it's in two parts. And the thing about that is it's it has – the commentary is Lanny Poffo. He's talking over the match, but he's in kayfabe. So he's, like, talking you through the moves he's doing and why he's doing them and – and it's 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 okay. an interesting yeah, that's watch. Cool. I'll, have to, I'll have to check and that it, out. Yeah, I, I've seen it before, but it's probably been eight nine years. It's been a while. It's in two parts, and I personally think the match stinks. I, I think it's it's in a cage, and they never use the cage, so it's like why even have it? Why even do a cage match? And it's just very. It was an underground classic when minimalism was very big in wrestling critique. Okay, so there was this period maybe five, six, seven, eight years ago. That's probably when I would have seen um, it, probably from processing only or something like that. Just, you know, a, a, yes. a uncovered, yes. un, under, underrated gem or something like that type of match. And I watched it and, and I, don't re- I don't recall what my thoughts were at the time, but they're probably not dissimilar from you. They're probably in, in the same realm. But, but I'd like to see it before. I, I'd like to see it again. To me, it's a very boring match. Um, it's well worked. It's snug. Um, if you know anything about Rip Rogers, I mean he's become a very annoying Twitter presence over the last few years. And he's very old school in thought, but you, you were never going to get sloppy or bad work out of a guy like that. Um, it was probably the snuggest and stiffest match Lanny Poffo ever had, because one thing about Lanny Poffo, he did work light. I mean, he, he didn't really, there wasn't a lot of oomph behind his offense. He was more about, you know, um, he, he, he did spectacular things for his time, but, I would hardly call him someone who was really going to lay it in. And this match with Rip Rogers is a pretty, if nothing else, it's a very stiff match and it's a very snug looking match. And um, they just, they they don't really utilize the cage. And um, there's, there's a little bit of blood. I think they do get busted open towards the end. Um, And it's, and it's a, it's a hair match. So, you know, Roger, the loser has to get their head shaved and, 
I think it's, even though I don't think it's that good of a match, other people think it's great. And I would say that it's a match where if you're the kind of person who's into wrestling history or, you know, you like re-examining old footage, I, I would call it a match that everybody has to watch because it's one of those matches that gets referenced a lot and, and, and is considered a classic in some circles. So it's very easy to find. It's right there on YouTube. And I would have to say that it's probably Lanny Poffo's, um, it's probably his most uh, revered match that, that that he ever had. Let me see if there's a cage match rating on it. There is I, not. I, I was looking. Yeah, there, um, there, there's not. They, cage match has the best one. That, and I don't think I've actually ever seen this one. So I don't have to make that some, some time for it. Uh, Lanny and Randy versus uh, uh, Ricky Morton, and Robert Gibson. Obviously, the Randy and, and, and Lanny versus the Rock and Roll Express sounds awesome. So. Uh, I'll have to check that one out. And then, yeah, they don't really have a whole lot of others. They have the Hulk Hogan genius match uh, from Saturday night's main event. They have the Hulk Hogan ultimate warrior versus Mr. Perfect or, and genius match uh, from main event. And then they have a bad Brutus beefcake genius match. Um, so uh, there's not a whole it, lot there on cage match for you. That Papo and Savage versus Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. I'm almost positive. That's the match where they broke the tables. That is one of the first matches where the, they do table spots. Interesting. Okay. I, I don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah. I, I got I to gotta carve some time out tonight to watch that. I don't know if that's the one I'm thinking of because who knows, um, you know, because territory matches from that era, you know, cage match is very incomplete. Um, so I don't know if that's the exact match I'm thinking of. But yeah, when, when, when their father's promotion finally closed down, and that was an ugly war. I mean, you know, they were going on TV. Savage was going on TV and giving out Bill Dundee's phone number. And <laughs> yeah, it got real bad. It got real scuzzy. When we say outlaw promotion, it, it's it wasn't it was as endearing as it may seem like it is today. It was it was a not only I mean, they were going against the way that wrestling has been done for forever. You know what I mean? Like the territory system and they just said fuck that we're gonna run it anyway and and you just didn't do that you didn't go against the cartel like you just never did that and they did it and like you said it wasn't it wasn't like hey we're just gonna do our thing and you guys do your thing and we'll, we'll exist and it'll be fine it was like no it got real down and dirty between both parties i mean they were threatening to shoot each other <laughs> right <laughs> right yes. i mean you know it was getting really nasty and 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 randy savage was making grandstand challenges to jerry lawler um, and threatening to fight him for real if he found him, like breaking kayfabe on TV and saying he's going to find him and fight him for real. And um, But then as soon as Angelo Papo's promotion closed down, Memphis brought those guys in. They brought in Savage and, and, and Lanny Papo because they knew it was money. So very quickly, all of those grievances went out the window because they knew that there was money to be made. So... Um, they both went to Memphis, and that's where I think that Rock and Roll Express match that you're talking about, I think that's a Memphis match. But, um, you know, they came in and opposed as, as heels, but then eventually they were baby faces and uh, Papo and Savage. And, you know, they feuded with Jimmy Hart and the first family. And like I said, I watched a match earlier today. I watched Lonnie Papo versus Eddie Gilbert. Eddie Gilbert this is from 1983. You know, and Gilbert's aligned with Jimmy Hart, and Papo's the baby face, and Papo's wearing the suit of armor. He's doing the Sir Lanny Poffo gimmick in the, in a literal suit of armor. And he brought the suit of armor back a few years later in WWF because around 80, 86 or 87, they probably because they were copying Dusty. You know, I, I don't know if that's the case, but they started doing bunkhouse battle royals on the road in WWF. And the guys would wear street clothes or 
the, the former football players would wear like football uniforms and helmets and, you know, it was come as you are, you know, uh, guy dug in with you come in with the two by four, you know, whatever. And Lanny Poffo brought the suit of armor back for, he would wrestle those bunkhouse <laughs> matches yeah. in his suit of armor. So that, that was a running gimmick that he had throughout his career. But, um, and I see people in our chat that are, you know, they're saying things like, Oh, you know, Oh, the best match of Lanny Poffo's career. You know, that's, here's the thing. He was a really good worker. Like, I, you know, he was a job guy for so long, and I get that when you're a job guy, maybe people don't perceive you a certain way. But um, if you watch that footage from from you know from ICW or from Memphis, or you know, quite honestly, even the early WWF stuff where he was a job guy, where he was you know not really a full fledged job guy, he would do jobs on TV, of course. But he was, but he was more of a jobber to the stars. Right, like he would when get he wins. Went on the, he would get wins yeah. over the actual jobbers. Like, like he, yes. he. We always say there's this. There was a the a hierarchy of jobbers. There was yes, there was, your guys yeah. that could were never going to beat the top top guys. They were never going to beat the top heels, but they would beat the other jobbers. There was your lowest of the low jobbers, and they lost everybody. And then there was those middle jobbers that would lose to the stars, like you said, jobber to the stars. But they would beat the on a TV. Mister X, Lanny Poffo is going to beat Mister X. You know, he's but when he goes in there in the ring with 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 the main event or a semi main event, yeah, he's not going to win that match. But yeah, he so he's not a full on jobber. He's a jobber to the stars, like you said. It's probably the best way to put it. Yeah, and he would beat the other jobbers, and he would beat even he would even beat the other jobber to the stars. In other words, if he was on the road, and he was wrestling Iron Mike Sharp, or um, or he was wrestling Jose Luis Rivera or somebody like that, he would go over. Right, he was like, in the upper echelon. He was definitely in the upper echelon. Yeah, he was probably the most respected jobber to the stars on the roster because he would beat he would beat Barry Horowitz. He would beat those other guys, um, but you know he would lose to anyone who was pushed. You know, um, but but. And and he was always over more than the level of his push. Like he would get pops for those television jobs. He would get pops in the arenas, especially when he was doing the poem gimmick with the with the frisbees. You know, kids like that. He would always get a big pop in Madison Square Garden. He would read the poem where he'd be, you know, be some terrible poem where he's putting down the whatever heel he was wrestling. And then he would have the poem you know, taped to the inside of the Frisbees and then he would throw the Frisbees to the crowd with the poem taped inside. Um, you know, and then his big break came in 89 when, you know, he turned heel and and did the genius gimmick and was managing Mr. Perfect. And all of those years of doing television jobs and being a house show jobber, but being on the road all that time, eventually paid off and he got a main event program. And, and he, he was he a tremendous it. manager too, and and this is the unfortunately this is when he stopped wrestling as regularly as as he was as Leaping Lanny, but he still got in there every so often. And when he was in there, even as a manager, he was so physical as a manager, and that that it helped so much when he was in there. When Mister Perfect is feuding with Hulk Hogan or whatever, him being able to get in there and, and take bumps and look great doing it was a huge part of what got that character even more over and and and, and made it work for when it were. So I, I love the genius. I, I, I mean, it was it was ultra heat. Everybody hated him. He was so good at it. He kind of flipped. Obviously, he flipped the poem thing around and turned it into a thing that everybody started to hate. And and he was just a, a very physical manager, especially in that era where they started to kind of get away from that a little bit in WWF, where you had guys like, you know, Jimmy Hart wouldn't 
do that much. Mr. Fuji never did anything. Like there was there was a bunch of guys that weren't really doing that anymore. They just kind of came down and sat by ringside. Like Bobby Heenan at that point probably wasn't taking any more bumps because of his neck and his body was kind of falling apart from years and years of doing it. So then you have the genus come out there and yeah, the 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 babyface would get a hold of him sock him upside the head or or, or or bang his head into Mr. Pr- and then he'd go flying and the you know the 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 his papers would go all over the place his 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 letterboard his his hat would go you know flying in this so it all looked really cool and and it all it all worked and yeah that 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 genius run it sucks because we were kind of you know he didn't wasn't able to be leaping land he wasn't able to have great matches or whatever but it didn't matter i mean it, it was fine and like you said financially i'm sure he loved it because it was the best run and the longest run of his entire career you know doing it for god until what 93 293 because he was doing the Beverly Brothers. That was 93, yeah, I think, still. To, yeah, still 93. Then he moved on to the Beverly Brothers. Yeah. But the 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 Henning feud with Hogan was Pafo's chance to work a main event feud. And like you said, he had that Saturday night's main event match against Hogan. Yeah, main event Mike, Saturday night's main event. <laughs> I mean, quote unquote main event. It's it's but everybody knew uh, Saturday night's main event if you look at it, you know. The structure of the shows we've 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 talked about this a bunch of times. Yeah. It's done like Saturday Night Live. It, the, the, that is trust me. Hogan and Genius was the main event, even though there was four matches afterwards. Everybody was there to see uh, Hogan and the Genius, and yeah, that was a huge match. I mean, it went Ultimate Warrior and Andre the Giant was before them, <laughs> and then it was Hulk Hogan and the Genius, and that's a I think that's a pretty damn good match. I like that one a lot. Nice. No, he's, he's you know the thing about him is he would bump all over the place for these guys, you know, and um. Yeah, clearly had no ego. I mean, he was a job guy for most of his career. And, you know, even when Mr. Perfect was feuding with Hogan, you know, the genius was really there to... Now, Mr. Perfect could talk, but the genius was there to do some talking and to take bumps. And so they were ready to blow the thing off. Now, that was the least financially successful feud of the Hulkamania era for Hulk Hogan. But, I mean, it still drew by standards of other times. It just didn't draw for the standard of that time. And really, Hogan was starting to wind down by then anyway. Um, that really was past the peak. The peak was probably 86, 87. Right. Somewhere people in that people thought it was that feud or whatever. But then it was like, it, you know, the earthquake one didn't draw that well. The Mr. Perfect one didn't draw that well. And then he just never really drew that well again in terms of like in in, in WWF in that character because then the slaughter thing obviously was a disaster yeah. and yeah it just it, he never really got back on track after that but I I think that was probably just going to happen no matter what like I, I don't know that it was necessarily those feuds specifically but over right. him just eventually kind of wear you know wearing down a little bit well the idea at the time was this was proof that Hogan had to be in there with big guys right 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 the, the blame at the time was as good as Mr. Perfect is and as over as he was coming into the feud and all of that. Well, well, this is proof that Hogan has to be in there with guys that are bigger than him. And this was, you know, Hogan, this proof that Hogan was right. And why, you know, cause Hogan always wanted to, Hogan always wanted to be an underdog, but Hogan's also six foot six, 300 pounds. So they, he would always have to find these, these literal giants to put him in there against in those early days for him to work that way. And this was really his, yeah, I guess Orndorff to some extent, but Mr. Perfect was considered the first, you know, smaller guy that uh, that he had a, a major feud with. And, um, you know, it, 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 and by the standards of the era, it wasn't a financial success. Um, but like you said, they, Hogan never got as big again as he was in 85, 86, 87. So maybe history has been unkind to that Mr. Perfect Hulk Hogan feud. You know, I don't know. I'd have to examine, you know, some of the ones you named that came after. We know the slaughter one didn't work, 
Um, that might have just been the tone of it more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that that probably was. <laughs> yeah, nobody really wanted that story at that time, and 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 then to boot it just became a ridiculous story once the war was over and then it was just like oh crap now what do we do ah we're just gonna push through push through and it's like oh my god stop it's it's not working but uh yeah that then then it was kind of the, the 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 bloom was off the rose for hogan really as a top top draw yeah so i would say if you want to watch some pafo from all eras find the rip rogers cage match find that hogan match from saturday night's main event during the genius era i would say find those memphis matches either you know against anyone really but the rock and roll express stuff that one looks like it's available i didn't didn't click the link because obviously we're doing the show here but it looks like it is available on youtube so you can one of if it's not that one it is a randy lanny uh, versus rock and roll that is available on youtube yeah um another match that i really love and i want to get the exact date and listen it's not a five-star classic or anything but it was one of harley races very first matches when he came to the WWF and let me see if I could find it. I could probably find it faster if I go through Harley race. Um, but at any rate, it's Harley race versus Lanny Poffo. It is on, it is on Peacock for sure. I know it's on the network in what do they call that with, with the old house shows old school, maybe or something yeah, like old that. School what is that or yeah. Called? Yeah. Well, I, I think old school is what they're called. I checked today, and the match is, is not on YouTube, but I know for a fact it's on the network. The date is June 14th, 1986 from Madison Square Garden. It's Harley Race versus Lanny Poffo. It is one of Harley Race's first televised matches when he jumps. He's not King Harley Race yet. He's handsome Harley Race. Uh, so he hasn't even, you know, they haven't even given him a gimmick yet. And again, is it a five-star classic? Are you going to be ripping out your notebooks? No, but I think it's a great example of what both guys do well. And it's two old territory guys just having a good old territory style match, which if you know anything about the WWF house shows from that era, uh, they weren't very good. Right. You know, you'd get guys like <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's something notable that they went out there and had an okay match is, is notable. Yeah, and they just, you know, and, and you know, Race is doing spots on the floor, and it's just unlike the the house show matches in that company at that time. You know, I'm looking at the rest of the card, and, I, you know, I, I can assure you it's way better than Jimmy Jack Funk versus Tony Gurria. Okay, I can, I can make you promise. Uh, Pedro Morales, Iron Sheik, going 11 minutes to a DQ. <laughs> right. That's probably a, it's probably a negative star match, you know. Uh, Nikolai Volkov versus George Steele, a six-minute DQ. Could you imagine how bad that is? So... <laughs> You know, you have to put these matches in the context of their era. You know, it's it's the same as with any anything, you know, as any other sport, any shoot sport. You know, so that's a notable match to me. Um, you know, I, I watched a match today from Memphis that I talked about already from 83 against Eddie Gilbert. It's a little TV match from Memphis. And I thought it was just so much fun. You know, uh, Poffo's out there in his suit of armor and he's feuding with Eddie Gilbert at the time, and Gilbert comes out with Jimmy Hart, and he says, I'll wrestle you right now. So they get rid of the jobber that Poffo was supposed to wrestle, and Gilbert's like, I'll take you. And Gilbert's in street clothes. You know, he's wearing, like, leather pants and a button-up, and uh, he gets in there with Poffo, and and Poffo's taking care of business, and he they, of course, do the ref bump. So Jimmy Hart comes in with, like, a, a walking stick or a cane. Not a Singapore cane, but, like, an old-school, real like a yeah, cane. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, Paphos has like this, he's doing this bridging pin combination because, you know, he was, he was very flexible. And I guess we could talk about how flexible he was in a minute. <laughs> we'll, get uh, he's very, we'll get to it. Don't worry. He's very flexible. So he's doing like this back bridge very pin, flexible. but the ref, but, but the referee had bumped. So Jimmy Hart comes in with this, with like this, this cane and he whacks him in the gut with it. Right. So Paphos selling and he's rolling around holding his stomach. And Gilbert makes the cover, and he's trying to, you know, waiting for the ref to get revived. And then Randy Savage comes out, and he's like, I've had enough of this. So Savage jumps in the ring and just starts putting the boots to Gilbert, right? And this fucking Jimmy Hart goes back to the commentary table with Russell, and he's like, that's blatant outside interference, baby. That's got to be a DQ. This is so blatant. You can't just run into a match like that when 30 seconds earlier he ran in with the cane. (laughs) Right, right, right. And and I'm just watching this, and I'm like, "I, I just love pro wrestling. You know what I mean? This is just pro wrestling. It's stupid and it's fun and it's Randy Savage and it's Eddie Gilbert and it's Lance Russell and it's Jimmy Hart and it's Lanny Poffo. And it, it's just a, it's a television angle you've seen a thousand times. But, you know, that six minutes was just so entertaining and so much fun. And, you know, the kicker. They did disqualify Poffo. They disqualified the referee. (laughs) Jimmy Hart was right. (laughs) The referee wakes up and Savage is in there putting the, you know, stomping a mud hole into Eddie Gilbert and he does get disqualified. And, you know, Jimmy Hart's jumping up and down and it's just, uh, yeah, it's just great, you know, and, and, um, it's a shame that a lot of people just know Lanny Poffo as the, as the jobber that threw the Frisbees because there was, you know, he was a good promo guy, very, articulate well-spoken and he did sort of these um not, not i don't want to say they were like uh in the style of a nick bockwinkle who always spoke like an aristocrat or something like that but that's kind of how they probably came up with the genius gimmick right because he was so well-spoken and and uh witty and um uh he 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 would never scream or yell. He was yeah. The way he talked was always like, "I'm uh, when you do this." It always had like an aura of like you know, I don't know. It was it was deep and like very enunciated and stuff. So it came across like he was being an asshole. You know what I mean? So that's why the genius character worked so well. He didn't change a thing. He sounded exactly the same when he was the genius. Yeah. It was just they told you, "No, this guy's an asshole." Now, boo this guy. Everyone's like, "Ah, this guy sucks." But well, the different. Yeah, he was saying, "I am now. I am the smartest man in the world." I right, the right, genius. right. Like it was a very cut. And when he was a baby face, it would be, "I'm not. I'm not. Uh, you know, it's like I'm not mad." I'm just smarter than these heels and I'm going to explain to you why, right, right, right. right. You know, and he was just, uh, so he was a good promo head of his time as a worker, um, you know, and, and he really did have a super fun career. And whenever we've talked about him, I've always talked about how underrated I thought he was. And whenever I come across his stuff, you know, I watch it and he had a, he had a, aside from the cage match, you know, he had a long feud with Rip Rogers in, in ICW and there's, ICW footage is very hard to find, but there is some out there. It's always an awful quality, but it's always worth a watch. It's it's very much like Memphis and Continental and those promotions from that area of the country where it's just it's a wild ride. You know, it's Randy Savage, Lanny Poffo, um, one man gang, Ron Garvin, not the one man. Ron Garvin was one man gang, Ron Garvin. And, and actually, the guy who would become one man gang, Crusher Broomfield, was there, too. But he was right, there right. As just not as one man gang. Yeah. Right, because Ron Garvin was one man gang, and 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 you know 
the guy that would become one man get the more famous one man gang later, Crusher Broomfield was was in that promotion. I think uh, Bob Orton spent some time there. Pez Watley was a regular. Rip Rogers. Uh, it really was a fun promotion if you can get your hands on some of that stuff. And um, they brought that, and they knew Randy Savage. Everyone knew Randy Savage was going to be a huge star. So when they closed down, they buried all of the hatchets. They brought the Poffos in to Memphis. They did the Jerry Lawler, and, Randy Savage stuff. With if you, if you never checked that stuff out, that stuff's really really cool. Because then they lean into it once once they knew that. Uh, the Poffos yeah. thing was basically done. They leaned into it and they had, you know, Jerry Lawler, you know, get on and, and, and talk about, you know, the Poffos and the stupid family. And I, we're going to put them out of business or whatever. And then one time Randy Savage appears uh, at the studio and then they just go to fuck. I mean, the, the crowd gasps like the, the noise is incredible. I think you can see the entire all those. Those are pretty well preserved. You can see just about everything from that, but that's a really, really cool. Now we're, you know, obviously Lanny's not really involved in in, in this at, at the top of it. It's mostly Randy, and but if you're interested in that era of 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 Memphis, Tennessee wrestling, and 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 the end of the Pafos, you know, territory, and the, you know them coming together, that stuff's awesome. That stuff is like top top tier wrestling stuff there with Jerry Lawler and and, and Randy Savage at each other's throat cutting worked shoot semi shoot promos at each other and then just beating the living hell out of each other. It's really, really good stuff. Yeah. And then when WWF came calling for Savage, they brought Poffo along with him and, you know, and we kind of talked about that era already. Savage got the big push right out of the gate uh, with Elizabeth, where the idea was all the managers were clamoring for him. And he ended up choosing Elizabeth who, was an unknown and, and you know that was the big angle. and then they repeated that angle a couple of times they did it a couple of years later with bam bam bigelow where all the managers were vying for bigelow's services because he was this can't miss prospect and bigelow uh ended up choosing oliver humperdinck you know and and i'm sure didn't didn't aw even do something similar with jade they did well, jade, with jade, yeah, cargo. With jade cargo they had, they had smart mark and all these other people waiting to get her yeah yeah so that's that's you know the first time i ever saw that done was with Randy Savage. Um, I'm sure it was done in some territory somewhere or, or somewhere else, but um, you know, that's, that's the first Bam, time Bam, I Bam, ever Bam Bigelow was a famous one too. They did it with him. Yeah. 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 A couple years later with Bam Bam. So um, that was, uh, you know, and I see someone saying in the chat, you know, there were table spots done in the 1920s. Okay. But who cares? I mean, it, it, for 60 years, no one did them. And then these guys did them in 1984. So it's like those kind of arguments always annoy me because it's like, Okay, yeah, you could probably go back and find someone who did something first, but that doesn't necessarily mean they were the innovator. Right, right. Okay? If people didn't start it's, doing it after them, like like you always say with, you know, with, with tables in the indies and, 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 and chairs, Sabu, you know, doing a lot of stuff like, no, yes, there were people that did stuff like Sabu did it before. But the fact that once Sabu does it, everybody starts doing it. A couple years later, literally everybody is doing the, the Sabu shit. He's the innovator, not the guy who was the first person to ever do that style. Right. You know what I mean? Like that. People. People are doing table spots today because of Sabu. It doesn't matter that the Pafos and the Rock and Roll Express did a table spot in 1984. It doesn't matter that Hulk Hogan and Harley Race did a table spot on Saturday Night's main event in 1986 or whatever year that was. And it doesn't matter if somebody did a table spot in 1920. The reason people are doing table spots today is because of Sabu. And it doesn't take anything away from the Poffos and Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson doing a table spot in 1984 that somebody did one in 1920 because they probably didn't know that somebody did one in 1920. And the people in Memphis in 1984 didn't see anyone do a table spot in 1920. So it's irrelevant. Like 
they innovated it for that time and and that period in 1984 they did a table spot and it was a big deal because table spots simply weren't being done someone doing one in 1920 doesn't negate any of that like th- those kind of arguments they just sometimes they get under my skin like I, you could you could always go back further and maybe find someone who did something but and when it comes to table spots i'm sorry every table spot you see today is a result is because of sabu it's because of sabu in 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 1994 1995 uh, sabu was the one who popularized table spots and it because when sabu began doing them that's when they caught on and they've stuck and they haven't stopped okay when the guy who did the table spot in 1920 no one they just went away for 60 they went away for 60 years until the mid 80s and then those guys who did the table spots in the mid 80s they went away again for a decade okay no nobody nobody copied hulk hogan and harley race nobody copied the the uh you know uh, lanny Poffo and ricky morton because then people stopped doing them again for 10 years. Then when Sabu brought the table spots back, they caught on. And now and they've, yeah, we're, we're 30, 30 years later. Years. Yeah. 30 years later. And everyone's still doing table spots on every single show you go to, no matter where you go in the country, in the world, whatever. Yeah. Okay. So now the guy in the chat is saying, if it's because of Sabu, then who cares if Lanny Poffo did one in the eighties? Because it's notable. Because no one did <laughs> and we're them talking for about Lanny Poffo. <laughs> so. Yeah. Because nobody did them for 60 fucking years. And then they did one. And that's why it's a famous spot. It's a famous spot because nobody had seen one for 60 years. So that's why we're talking about it because that that's what makes that match famous because they did a table spot. That's why. Um so anyway, that 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 kind of that that kind of stuff always bothers me. Well, but, um, r- real quickly, you know, then then the later half of, of Lanny's career is probably the the best is that he gets hired by WCW they want to redo the gorgeous George character. So they get Lanny Poffo to dye his hair and they say, you're going to be gorgeous George pal. And he's never gorgeous George. And they never, he never appears on television. He never appears at shows. He's sometimes there. Sometimes not. People have said, I think he was backstage a couple times that, but pretty much took home a check for, I don't know about four or five, a big check, a big check for about four or five years uh, for, from WCW uh, to be, uh, you know, gorgeous George or whatever. Never, ever had to do it. Never appeared. Just a classic WCW thing there. That, that guy was taking in like a quarter of a million dollars for a decade or, or for five or six years or whatever. I think until 1999, I want to say he was still, you know, getting paid. And then finally somebody said like, Hey, you know, we're paying Lanny Poffo like a quarter of a million dollars a year. And they're like, Oh yeah, let's not do that anymore. And then they stopped. So, uh, but yeah, good for him. He got himself in shape. He dyed his hair and he's like, I'm ready when you guys are. And they're like, yeah, we'll call you. And then they didn't call him for five years. So, Hey, you know what? Get paid. Work, 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 work smarter, not harder. And, and he definitely did that in those latter half of his career. So, uh, and then of course, WCW said, and, and, and I think it was Randy Savage, actually, I'm sorry. I'm saying that <clears throat> I believe Randy Savage purchased the, the, the gorgeous George, uh, a name and then obviously gave that then to the woman gorgeous george you know his his girlfriend at the time uh in 1999 and then you know that guy used that for a year or whatever and then now i don't know i guess i don't know who still owns it i guess he probably still does but the estates of randy savage probably does I don't, i'm not sure who owns the gorgeous george uh legacy or name uh, right now but there you go well i mean randy savage had the valet who was using that name at that same time so it's kind of weird that well so I, so what um, he did is i think he bought it and then the idea was, hey, you need something for my brother. Make him gorgeous, George. And WCW right. was saying, all right, whatever. We have you, Randy Savage. <laughs> whatever. We don't care. Sure, great. We'll do that. And then apparently 
then, you know, Randy said, hey, I, you know, they want you as gorgeous George, so get in shape, get ready, because he, he, you know, had fallen out of shape a little bit at doing, doing, doing the genius stuff, so it's like, all right, yeah, 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 and then he got himself in shape, dyed his hair, was all ready to go, and then they just never used him until then, and finally in 1999, Randy said, ah, you know what, I'm going to give it to her instead, so he gave the, the gimmick to, you know, uh, the, the, the female gorgeous George, and then his girlfriend at the time, and then that's, you know, she used that for a year, and and then he never used it. Lanny never used it again. So okay, so it was intended for Lanny. They didn't use Lanny, so he gave it to the valet. Right, correct. But the the, the, the the they didn't use it for Lanny was like five years of him taking all a paycheck. Right, right. A very yeah, yeah, he a got very good paycheck from WCW. So good for him. What what what's also funny is I don't know if you remember Rob Kellum, but he worked as the maestro in WCW yes. around that time as well. Well, first he was Robbie Eagle, not Robbie Eagles of new Japan, Australia fame, but I'm talking Robbie Eagle from the early nineties. Um, then he became the maestro and then it was just Stro, Right. But then later on, he began, he, he was working as gorgeous George the third. Right. Right. So it's weird because during that era, you see this gimmick kind of pass through three different people all around the same time. Um, so if the Poffo family or if Randy Savage, owned the gimmick. I wonder if Rob Kellum was using it against Savage's will, or if he bought it from Savage or if Savage just didn't give a shit because it was some low level. He, I don't think he used gorgeous George the third and WCW. No, he I believe he came, he he came in WCW. as, yeah, he came in as the maestro and I, I'm almost positive. He never used it on, on, on WCW television. Right, and I don't know the timeline whether that was before or after that he began using the gorgeous George the Third gimmick, but um, you know that's where it becomes a little confusing too because now you have three people in the same company in the same era who were linked to the old gorgeous George gimmick. It looks like he used gorgeous George the Third before WCW. Okay, all right. So it makes sense that. If Savage did have kind of le- some kind of legal rights to that name, that this guy, because he never used it, he came into WCW as the maestro, and then I don't think he ever used Gorgeous George the Third again. At least with you know what I see scrolling through his. Uh, hey, look, there's a match between the Stro and Sterling James Keenan in oh. 2003. <laughs> wow! So a Corey little, uh, Graves and the Maestro. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, so it seems like it's pretty much just been either the Stro or the Maestro ever since, which, hey, listen, when you're the you famous a, Maestro, you gotta, you gotta yeah. get those bookings based off the Maestro, man. Yeah. If you had a six month run in dying WCW, <laughs> right. with you, you and Ryan Shamrock different. Symphony, you and Ryan Shamrock, AKA Symphony. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta milk that until you can't possibly milk it. Apparently it's working. Apparently it worked for him. I, I, I'm to this stunned. Day, he's, I'm he's stunned still, that you can put the maestro on marquees and people go, whoa, <laughs> on a poster. And go, hey, there you go. These are very small indies in the mid-Atlantic area. Do you think they're putting WCW's The Stro <laughs> on the poster? WCW's The Stro, yeah. Come see WCW's day. The Stro, yeah. Because, yeah, it, it's... Uh, that he has worked as that exclusively well, good for since him. Uh, 2000. Hey, he had an NWA world title shot against Adam Pierce in 2011. Hell so, yeah. There you go. So as the, uh, as the maestro, as the <laughs> NWA <laughs> mountain state wrestling champion, he got a big, uh, 
How about that? He was the NWA Mountain State Wrestling Champ. And uh, traveling NWA World Champ Adam Pierce comes to town. So, of course, uh, the Stroh, as the local champion, gets the title shot, Rich. And and wouldn't you know it, they go to the old time limit draw. He took him to the <laughs> limit. Maestro's not doing a J-O-B. <laughs> not when you're the, what was it? What was the championship he was? Uh, the NWA Mountain State Wrestling Champion. And uh, he went to the old time limit draw with Adam Pierce. Do you think he was doing the small packages at the end as the, as the fans were counting <laughs> right, down the clock? As, a, as, right? they're, as, as, as they're yelling over the intercom, five, four. Yeah. The rest going, one, two, three, no. One, two, three, no. One, two, three, no. Yeah. Ding, and ding, Pierce, ding. I'm sure it was. I'm sure it was a hot match. I'm sure it was awesome. So, and then Pierce huffing and puffing with his hands on his hips in the post match, and then he puts the hand out to shake the hand. Well, of the, the best the stroke, the, what, what should have happened. Guy. I hope that uh, I hope Pierce rolled him up. You know, with with two seconds left to go, had him in the pinfall. You know, the ref counts one, two, and then you know the the clock. You know, the bell rings, and he gets up and thinks he won for a second. The ref's got to go, no, 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 no. You know, do his do the arms cross thing. No, no, no. Time limit draw. And then yeah, like you said, go ah, and then put the yes, put her here, pal. Put her here, Stro. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. it looks yeah, like sorry. you might be because uh, uh, one uh, Justin Bissonette is in the no dope chat room says, "Wait, does anyone have a contact info for the Stro?" So uh, <laughs> well, there you go, Bring coming to Inspire Pro Wrestling soon. The Stro now streaming on uh, yeah. IWTV, by the way, yeah. Independent Wrestling TV for uh, Inspire Pro. So easier than ever yeah, to watch right. the Stro. Yeah. Well, hey, look, he's still going. He he wrestled last year. Yeah, so, someone someone uh, of the Notable Chairman says uh, the Mad Dog stuff says he beat JD Drake in 2021. <laughs> JD Drake was in AEW at that time. <laughs> like, what is the is the straw really coming up here? You know, bag in hand, and they're like, "All right, here's the deal. You're gonna wrestle." He's like, "I ah, no, I, I I can't. Yeah, I can't do that job." <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I hope so. I hope the straw thinks that he's got enough stroke to to walk into a locker room and just go, "Nah, I'm sorry, nah, I can't lose to yeah. JD Drake." Nah. You know, you never know when you never know when New York's going to come calling. So you got to be ready to go. You know, yeah, <laughs> you never know yeah. when you're going to get the call. So, yeah, I just think that's funny how you know they're, they're, they're the still doing that. <laughs> Coming in the rest of the local NWA uh, territory champion. Um, yeah, I mean, so uh, Lenny Poffo, of course. Um, Richie was known for sucking his own dick. He, I think yeah, that's let's really do the it. Let's, let's rip to... the Band-Aid off. Yes, very well known for yeah. uh, uh, for that. Um, questions in our Discord of, is it purely flexibility or are you also, you know, well endowed? And I, I think you got to be both, right? Oh, well, did you watch his explanation? Uh, of the... I, I did, unfortunately. And um, it feels like well, flexibility was his most important trait. But he did, he did say that, you know, obviously certain factors would make it easier to accomplish said feet. Yeah. He had a giant dick. Just, you know, why are you beating around the book? So, <laughs> you know, this was, uh, here's his, uh, here's his exact quote. I can give you. Thank God. We don't have any ads this week. <laughs> I can give you, uh, Lonnie Poffo's exact quote. Let's see if I can find it here. Uh, there's, uh, there's, yeah, okay. There's a five minute video on YouTube. Of him <laughs> That's a very long explanation. It's way longer than you ever want it to be. You're like, oh god, he's still talking. Okay. Like, there's just so many great quotes. I mean, <laughs> it's one of my. He's talking about rats. Yeah, it's it's the most it's the most perfect ask a 1980s wrestler if he sucks his own dick 
answer you could possibly ever get because then he just keeps going and just doing every carny 80s dirtbag wrestler thing you could possibly say but and 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 with without any sort of hesitation it's like this is just commonplace for him you know this is this is the world he grew up in this is the world he grew up in and and to him nothing that he's going to describe here is 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 uncouth or or, you know it's just like yeah yeah, you you got the ring rats uh you know you know you know, it doesn't, you know, they do this for you and they do, you do that for them. And it's here's, like, the exact right. quote. here's the exact quote about the rats. He says, I love arena rats. It's what can I do for you, honey? Instead of what can I take from you, stupid? So, you know, he makes a good point about the rats, <laughs> right, right. you know, they're, they're, they're all about you, you know, but he made it a point to say, he he loved the ring rats until they until you marry. Yeah, he Once called you marry arena them, rats. Arena rats. Yeah. Like not ring rats because they're doing big time arenas here. This is the World Wrestling Federation. These are arena rats. So he called the uh, he called his ability to suck his own dick his party trick. Okay. And he says, <laughs> God, uh, damn it. He said, "There's nothing wrong with auto fellatio." <laughs> and I gotta be honest. I mean, there, I guess there is nothing wrong with it. it a man makes a good point. I mean, <laughs> you know, what's the difference? I mean, you know, you know, ninety nine point nine nine percent of us do it with our hand. So what's wrong with uh, if you can reach it with your mouth? So here's what he had to say. <laughs> good God! On his ability to uh, what he calls auto fellatio, he says, uh, uh, "Flaccid." Uh, should I do it in his voice again? Uh, you could try. It's, it's a little bit of a longer explanation, but try if you could. Flaccid, I am average. Erect, I am above average. I'm being modest. Insanely above average. End quote. So what Papo's <laughs> saying here above average. is not only is he flexible, he's got a giant hog. Yeah, he's, I, he has know. an insanely above average hog. And if you've seen his flexibility in his work, you totally believe that he can bend forward far enough with his insanely above average penis to uh, auto fillet himself, as he likes to say. In fact, he had a little advice at the end of the video, Rich. Did you see the little advice uh, that he I, had? At I the think end I may video? have closed out at that point. I don't, I don't remember the advice. He said, uh, keep practicing and you'll have it licked. <laughs> well, okay, there you go. There you go, people at home. You can uh, maybe get some yoga videos on YouTube, start you know working on your flexibility, and then, yeah, in due time, uh, Yes. Obviously, if you have an insanely above average hog, that'll, that'll certainly help. But um, yeah, something to look forward to. Let me, a resolution for 2023. You know, we're, we're still in resolution season, so there's something for you. Let me get that. Uh, let me get that video for everybody. So what you want to look for here is, uh, man, I watched a lot of Lenny Poffo today. Okay. Lanny Poffo's secret revealed. That's the one you want to look for. Lanny Poffo's secret revealed. Yes. Four minutes and 19 seconds. And um, he confirms the rumors that he, uh, that he sucks his own D. So listen, it's quite the skill. <laughs> Lanny Poffo. There, there. Mm-hmm. What a life. What a career. Yes. Also, for, uh, again, uh, I, I've I've made this reference numerous times uh, in the sh- the sh- history of the show, but a, a resident of Downers Grove, Illinois, build from Downers Grove, Illinois, on all the uh, if you listen to an old WF house show, they'll say from Downers Grove, Illinois, leaping Lanny Poffo. So, ding ding ding, you know, get the bell, and yeah, there, there you go. Very famous yep. residents. He he hit me, him, Denise Richards. You know, people know her, I guess. 
Not quite as much as me and Lanny Poffo, but you know. Yeah, I mean, you're up there. You're getting up there. I'm getting up there. Getting I, up. You know, there's this Wikipedia, and there's some, I don't know, there's some people here that I'm like, I feel like I'm. You do that too, huh? I feel like I'm pretty close to some of these people. <laughs> I check my high school's <laughs> like, Wikipedia there's, there's page. There's some guys where I'm like, I think I'm better than that guy. I, I think I think more people know yeah. me than know that guy. And I'm talking about, like, I'm not talking about guys that were died, you know, in, like, the 1890s or whatever. I'm talking about, like, modern guys, and it's like, this guy's a pianist. And I'm like, nobody knows who this fucking guy is. Like, who cares? It's like, oh, he played I, in the – he was one of the, you know, London – nobody gives a shit about that dude. Yeah. Um, he became a physicist who discovered a new carbon. No <laughs> right. one cares. Ca- more people care I, about me, sadly. As it said, yes. But more people care about me than that guy. I promise you. Yeah. So I, I got to maybe see if I can get myself on here. I, I check my high school's Wikipedia page twice a year to see if someone added me. They never do. <laughs> they never do. You're going to have to add yourself, I think. They they never do. Um, I guess we should talk about uh, Lanny Poffo's very brief run as a New Japan commentator because um, <laughs> Chris Charlton had said some very nice words on Twitter today. Yes, he did. As did um, Mavs. Mavs Gillis. Mavs Gillis. Who, who, is he still with the company? I'm not I even have sure. No, yeah. You know, when but, I saw the name Mavs Gillis, I was like, you know who I have not thought of in of, yeah. <laughs> Mavs Gillis? I was like, right. It wasn't. Yeah. I, in my brain, in my, I like Mandela affected it where it was just like from day one, it was Kevin Kelly and Chris Charlton. No, yeah, it was and you, Mavs Gillis, Chris Charlton, and Lanny Poffo <laughs> doing. New Japan commentary, yeah. I do not remember Mavs Gillis whatsoever. But oh, I uh, do. You don't remember Mavs Gillis? Yeah. No, I, I mean, mean, I do. I remember him now, but I just meant like I, I didn't have – until I saw that name. That that reminded me. Oh, yeah, right. Mavs Gillis. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I haven't thought about Mavs Gillis. Right, right, right. I mean, but um, he had a very nice thread because, you know, he he uh, showed Lani Papo around Japan during that tour. And – um you know, that's where the famous champion of the British line comes because he called Tomohiro Ishii the champion of the British um, for the uh, Rev Pro. Asked, didn't he ask, is this man the champion of yes. the British? Yeah. See, it was a, it was a Rev Pro title saying, match. Yes. Oh, <laughs> so he is the champion of the British. Yeah. The, in the form of a question, <laughs> Jeopardy style. Right. You know, so he uh, that's definitely how it went down. What show is that? I wonder. I, I'm sure you could go in the archives of New Japan. Oh, I, I want to find it, and I think I should give it a listen. I think that. Um, <laughs> Let me see if I can find it. So, as Rich looks for that, this is why, if you're not aware, when people sometimes refer to the champion of the British, that's where that came from. Lanny Poffo was comically bad in the New Japan booth. He didn't know any of the wrestlers. <laughs> he didn't know who he, anybody was. He wasn't familiar with the style. He was more inquisitive than really adding anything. And, you know, how and in that Mavs Gillis Twitter thread, he explains that, you know, Lanny realized pretty quick that he was in over his head, and and then it, he became – he was in on the joke once they got a little right. deeper there, into there, the Right, there tour. was because he was there for a whole tour, and I, I'm trying to figure out the exact tour, yeah. but – I remember the first show he was like, all right, let's go. You know, this is a three-man booth. Let's do this. And by like the last show, he was just kind of like he'd, – he'd, he'd be in the background and be like, oh, Chris, so now why is that man doing that? And then Chris would say, oh, well, well the reason he's doing this is because – but like when he first started out, he was like, well, I, you know, I got to be out here. It's a three-man booth or whatever. He really, by the last part of the tour, was just kind of like in on the joke, realized he was bad, and was just kind of like, hey, I'll peel back. 
you guys do this, the main stuff. I'll interject when I want to, or you can ask me a question about ring technique or whatever, but I'm not out here trying to actually explain what's going on in the ring because I have no fucking idea what's going on in the ring. No, he was he was, he 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 realized he was in over his head and, and then he was smart enough to realize he was self-aware. And um, you know, Mavs Gillis explains that. And he even said at one point on one of the shows, he was so self-aware that he had he he had he he had said uh he heard that <laughs> His commentary was so good that even the Japanese were tuning into the English feed just to listen to him. <laughs> and it's, you know, but uh, it was he was bad in a very charming way. And it really took Twitter by storm. That one little tour. Uh, November. And, um, no, I think it was November 2018. It was the power struggle tour uh, that, that he was. Yeah. in. So November 20 in like the peak era of New Japan. So yeah. It's it, like. He, he it, was, it had a real Art Donovan feel. At oh, the yeah. King of the ring to it is is really what it felt like you know um but yeah his look his legacy is gonna live on with the champion of the british thing because every time i watch a rev pro title match i think about that you know i'm like oh yeah there we go there's uh there's ricky knight jr the champion of the british i mean how can you not it's just it's burned into uh smart culture now at this point and he spent a lot of time talking about his grandkids and uh, every time tomoaki hanma would do the kokeshi he would talk about how he bought the, the little Kokeshi uh, novelty <laughs> gifts at the store to bring home to his grandkids. And, you know, you, t- you, you take it apart and there's another doll inside. And then you take it apart and there's another <laughs> smaller doll within that doll. You know, and he's talking about the, you know, and it's uh, it, it's just it was bad in a charming way, not in a Kevin Gill. Uh, I need to turn the sound off way. And, um, you know, it was. That was probably his last. I don't think he was involved in in pro wrestling after that, right? I mean, no. Was, so he did. I know he was at All In. He, I want to say, came to the ring with. Um, I think he came in with Jay Lethal, who was doing Black Machismo at that time. I remember that, and I remember he did some stuff oh, with the Ring of yeah, Honor yeah. as well. I forget. That was around the same time. Actually, no, the All In thing was probably before the Power Struggle. If I if I'm doing my time, yeah, that's September. 2018 yeah so that was before so he he was coming back in a big way he was doing the the, the all-in thing and then i guess he got the the itch and then he did the new japan thing and then i think he also did some ring of honor stuff here and there but it was very very short uh and then he was pretty much out of there and then i i have no idea what he did you know from 2018 on or 2018 he, he had a podcast for a while um someone said that on one of his social media accounts it wasn't Twitter because his last tweet was November 25th, 2001, plugging his cameo. Um, man, I sure got a cameo. I, call that, that, dude, I bought the, the exact same thing. When I when I got on it, I was like, man, the genius was on cameo. Shit, I wasted. God, that would have been great. But, you know. I think so on some other form of social media, someone said that he had sent, uh, maybe it was Instagram, that he had been to a Broadway show as two days ago. So, Whatever the cause of death is, and we don't know what it is, it was obviously he hasn't been ill. Right, relatively sudden. It doesn't appear that he's been ill, unless he was ill and he was just like, "I'm going out, going to Broadway shows, and uh, having a good time." So uh, the point is, he was active and out and about and living his life. How old was he? Mid sixties or something. Sixty-eight. Sixty-eight years old. Sixty-eight. Okay, I mean, still too young um, in this day and age. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, well, obviously Randy Savage. When did Randy Savage die? Like 2009 20... or something? Oh, man. Before we were doing the show. For sure. Yo, definitely. for Yeah, yeah. Let me let me try to get the exact date before. Uh, uh, 2011. 20, 2000... 2011. I did not realize he was. I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was earlier than that. 
Yeah, yeah. May, I mean, two, May 2011. Like years, yeah, May, May 2011. Yeah, and he had a heart attack while driving, um, which is horrible. And um, I don't think he hit anybody else, though, right? Didn't he swerve into a no, tree or something? No, I think he's, yeah, I think he went to a tree or a barricade um, so, or something like that. So, yeah. So luckily he didn't, you know, swerve into traffic and 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 hurt anybody else uh, when he had that heart attack. But um, I think it was a heart attack. But uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's Lenny Poffo. I think that um, you know, try to seek out some of those wrecks and and you know even he has just a million of these WWF house show matches from that mid to late '80s era all over YouTube, all over the network because he worked right in that era where a lot of those house shows were filmed and he was on all of them because he was on the road. He may not have been pushed for the first few years he was there until the genius thing, but he was a full-timer and he was on the road. And um, I think he will surprise people with, with if you're just examining the quality of his work. And when he was given chances on the territories, I, I, I always thought he was uh, vastly underrated um, and, and always did a nice job. So, uh, that's Lenny Poffo. Yep. Uh, once, once met him at the, uh, Donner's Grove 4th of July parade, me and Lanny had a <laughs> conversation. I was, I don't know how it happened. Yeah, you've, you've I turned around that. and yeah, my yeah. mom said, Hey, uh, here's leaping Lanny Poffo. <laughs> my son loves wrestling. I'm like, Oh my God. Now I have to have a conversation with leaping Lanny Poffo. It was good. It was fine. You know, normal, normal stuff. But, uh, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't you know, remember he, how it even happened, but yeah, it was, you know, it was right after Chris Benoit died. So it wasn't exactly the best conversation, but you know, he said, uh, he said someone in the WWF locker room gave him a hard time for sucking his own dick. He said that, uh, the guy approached him and said, Hey, I heard that. Uh, I heard that. Cause he was talking about the, well, anyway, I'll, I'll skip that part. So he, he said, the guy approached him and said, I, I heard you could, uh, you know, so full and, Poffo said, yeah, it's true, you know. And the guy said, that's the most disgusting thing I've ever heard. You're an animal. It's gross. It's grotesque. And um, and Poffo ends the video that I've sent people to here on YouTube with. Uh, that's that's what he said. It's not illegal to self-relate. And then he said, and if they can't take a joke, fuck them. Hell yeah. So if they can't take a joke, fuck them. I love it. I love it, Lanny. Yeah. It's probably the best place to end it. That is a great place to end. A better place to end it. Justin uh, Bissonnette in the note of chat says, good news. I found the Stroh. So it looks like wow. coming to Austin, We just Texas. got him booked. We got the Stroh. Hey, Biss, give us a percent. I don't know what I don't know what his booking fee is, but I, you know, tell we him send a little. Man booked. Tell him to send a little our way. All right. This guy wasn't going to get. Now he's getting a trip to Austin. T- no, come on. We, we give us a taste here. Come on. Is this a first? Finder's fee? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'd like to happen on the show. Well, it's the Stroh that should be giving us the taste. That's what I'm saying. Not I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not telling Bist to Yeah. All right. So that is Leaping Lanny Poffo. Um, let's stick with American wrestling here, and we'll talk about the Royal Rumble, Joe, from Saturday at the Alamo Dome. Did you make it to San Antonio for our a live Royal Rumble experience? I take it No. Uh, yes, you know damn well. That, uh, <laughs> how much, how much would you have had to pay to go to San Antonio? What's the San, what's the drive to San Antonio for you? Uh, three, three and a half. Okay. All right. Yeah, that's, that's, that's tough. Uh, 
That's right yeah. out of the distance of like that. You can't, I've, you I've can't driven, justify three hours. That's tough. You've done it I've, before. You've I've, done it. I've driven to San Antonio for shows. Ford, I used Elmo to go Dome, to Ford Elmo Dome show too, mind you. Yeah. I've been to the Alamo Dome. I've gone to ROH shows in San Antonio. Um, I've done it, I'm, you know, and then driven home, you know, so, um, no, but I did not attend <laughs> not for the, uh, the Royal Rumble. No, the Royal Rumble did not uh, meet your lofty standards here. But uh, yeah, so that was the Royal Rumble. It was on Saturday. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like people might be disappointed. I don't know that I have any hot takes about anything going on the entire show. Like I, I thought the men's Rumble match was pretty good. Very, very long, like really long, like needlessly long. But otherwise, I thought it was pretty solid. I thought the women's Rumble was way better than it was last year. It still wasn't good but it was passable uh bianca and alexa i thought was horrible and not good at all because alexa's not very good and then bray white and ellie knight i mean what the fuck do you want me to say about the pitch black match like how can i even bury that it's 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 self-parody at this point so everybody knows the score there and then we'll talk about the main event in a bit but you know other than the main event like what what did you make of the rest of the rumble like i, I don't have any super super strong thoughts about really anything in the rumble i feel bad like usually we come here and i I, don't worry we'll talk about the main event we'll talk about that sort of stuff we'll talk about the 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 press conference too after the main event but uh the show itself i i don't know that i have any super hot takes i thought it was a a an okay show didn't hate it didn't love it when it was over i was like yeah all right cool and then i just went on with my life i thought like a lot of modern wwe pay-per-views it has one or two standout moments or matches and then a whole bunch of junk the men's royal rumble match i thought was very well booked and very well laid out and entertaining and it was a good rumble match then there was two and a half hours of utter shit and then there was the angle after the main event so good men's rumble to open up the show good angle to close the show and everything in between was a complete waste of time. The pitch black match was obviously <laughs> is going to be a contender for worst match of the year. It was what, horrible. What was that? Um, the Bianca Belair Alexa bliss match may have been worse. I was, I, mean, that, that was I think that was worse because I think the, the Bray Wyatt thing is like, so you know I, like? I, I use the term self parody at this point. Like, I, what do you want me to say? Like, it's clear that they're, like, nobody can think this is good, right? Like, there's nobody on earth. And I, I did not see anybody that left that match and said, oh, wow, that was good. Like, we're, we're at that point again with Bray. We did this with The Fiend where we pretended The Fiend was good and fun. And then, like, we got a, you know, as it started getting, as the bell ring, as the bell rings, like it always does with Bray. Once that bell rings, people just kind of go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I don't know if I, and it's happening again. It's happening again with this Bray. It happened with The Fiend. It happened with the original Bray Wyatt. And now it's happening with this thing where it's like once that bell rings and once he has to start having matches and once you regularly get Bray Wyatt matches, people are just kind of like, I don't know. What do you want me to you know say about this? It's kind of, and and we're there again with, with him where where you don't see anybody saying that it's good or, 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 or defending it really. So uh, I don't know. It's, it, it, I, I can't say that I hated it just because it was, I don't know, it was just ridiculous <laughs> on all levels. Um, so who knows? But yeah, I thought Alexa and Bianca was was worse because they went out there and, and tried to have a wrestling match and Alexa's awful and then it was just over. Yeah, it was worse. I, I think, I honestly do think it was worse. Yeah, I mean, it was a worse match in terms of execution and all of that, but it wasn't wrestled under a purple light with neon <laughs> tights and fucking accent. I mean, the pitch black match was just um, 
everything that I hate about the WWE. I mean, it you know the the corporate, you know we have this we have this spooky uh, Bray Wyatt character, and you know with the corporate sponsor of Mountain Dew with the lights turned down, and it's just it's so goofy and stupid. Um, and then the match itself is just five minutes of perfunctory work, and the whole thing is just a waste of my time. The Bianca Belair Alexa Bliss match was just a terrible match. It was just a really, really bad match. Um, and then the Women's Royal Rumble, I thought, was not a good rumble. I thought it was very boring. Um, I thought the first third of the Women's Rumble was very sloppy in terms of execution. A bunch of people who were just not on the same page. Then it improved a bit in the middle third when damage control kind of took control of the match. And then Becky came in and it got hot for, for a couple minutes there. That part of the match was fun and good. And then uh, then it cooled off again after that. And what I really didn't like about the Women's Rumble is it's just so uncreative. We just saw Gunther come in at number one or number two, whatever number he was. The, the point is he goes the distance, right? Right, right. He went last, the distance, yeah. And he's the last guy with Cody. And then we do the same exact thing with Rhea Ripley, and she goes the distance. And I know during the broadcast they said that only four people have started from the number one position and then won the match. First of all, the word only shouldn't be applied to that. That's way too many, okay? Four people have been number one and won the Royal Rumble. That's utterly ridiculous because it's not special anymore after the first person does it, okay? And then I know that people have won it from, like, the number three spot because Ric Flair was number three, wasn't he? Yep, yep, 92. So, 92, he was, he was number three. To me, So to me, that's the same gimmick. Whether you come in at number one or number three, it's the same gimmick. Then you have Gunther, who an hour and a half earlier came in at number one and went the distance. He didn't win, but he still went the distance. So, yeah, maybe only four people have technically won it, and I guess five people now have won it from the number one spot, which is too many to begin with. But we've seen this go-the-distance gimmick a million other times, including twice on this night. It's not unique anymore, and in fact, it's become predictable. I feel like I've had this rant before. You know, I don't remember the specific rumbles because I don't remember any of these modern Royal Rumbles that we reviewed, and I'll forget this one. Believe me, I will forget all about these two Rumbles too within a week. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I'm not going to remember anything about this crap uh, once WrestleMania is over, maybe not in a week, but next year, you're going to say to me, Joe, who won last year's Women's <laughs> right, Royal Rumble? You're not going to be able to tell. And I'm going to yeah, go, you have I don't no fucking... idea. Yeah. If I quizzed you on who won every other Women's Royal Rumble in history, you'd have no earthly idea. No idea. I don't think I'd get a single one right. I mean, I would just guess names, I guess. But my point here is this going the distance gimmick is so overdone. They they love it. They love it so much they did it twice in one night. So um, now look, who was the first number one to win? Rey Mysterio? Um, it's Rey Mysterio. Right? It was either Rey Mysterio or he who shall not be named. I believe uh, went the went the distance. Or Benoit. There, I, Benoit yeah. was number one too. Uh, I don't know if Benoit was number one, but he was he was he was close. Yeah, I think he was either one or two. I forget exactly what number he did. He, was. Go, he did the go to distance game. Right, right, right. And Flair did it in 1992. He did the go to distance game. So, um, my point here is if, if Rhea Ripley would have done this without Gunther going the distance an hour earlier. And if the last person to do it before her had been either Flair or Mysterio, now we have something that's memorable. This isn't memorable. Someone did it an hour earlier. 
They do it way too much. So I thought that was lazy booking. Um, so, so to correct you, rest- Shawn Michaels uh, did it number one in 1995. I forgot about Michaels, and then Benoit did it in as number one as well. Ray was two, but you know, two doesn't. Two's two's one. Two is the same thing, right? So this is what I'm saying. Like they were saying, only four people were number one. Is what Michael Cole I said I think, but there have been number two. There's been number three. You know, so this is such an overdone fucking thing that it doesn't mean anything and it never feels special. And in fact, at this point, I expect people to go the distance now because they do it so often. They do it so often. I forgot about some of them. Well, and, I and, in, this, about and these, in both these rumbles, too, what's interesting is both these people were like, like Gunther was there and we uh, I was watching it with, a you know, a, a houseful of people. And there were some casual fans watching that don't really watch wrestling or whatever. And every, you know, we, they would, they would check in because we were doing, you know, betting on stuff. And, and like the guy who had Gunther would be like, Hey, is my guy still in? And we're, we're like, I think so. And we'd look and there's, there's, you know, Gunther just laying on the mat in the corner. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, there he is. He's over there. He hasn't moved in, you know, 25 minutes or whatever. And then Rhea did the same thing too. So it's like, yes, they go the distance, but they're not really like, they're not really a focal point of the match. Like the Walter stuff at the, or Gunther, sorry, uh, towards the end of the match got fun, but there was a large chunk of the, the, the men's Royal Rumble where Gunther was in the background. You had no idea he was still even there. Like just, a Listen, non-factor Gunther, for, for 45 minutes, basically. Gunther was a ghost. I mean, you know, in that in that sham of a post-show presser, people were putting over Gunther, and this was a big coming-out moment. Listen, I think he's been great in WWE. I think he was the best wrestler in the company last year. I, I didn't think he had a great rumble. And he was in it for 70 minutes. The last, really yeah, the last five minutes with Cody was cool, but the rest of it was pretty insignificant. You know, Rich, I got to tell you, that's my one critique of the men's rumble match, which I thought was well booked and very well laid out and uh, a pretty good rumble. I didn't like the Cody and Gunther stuff because I thought it went on too long. It did go. uh, Yeah. Oh, wait, I I will. I'm with you on that. It went about six minutes longer than it needed to go for sure. Yeah. Get in and get out once it's down to two. I don't you know, it's like it, it took way too long. They almost had a match. Yeah. You know, it was. It was ridiculous. Yeah, they did that, that with, they, that, with that, Taker that, that and Michaels long. in 2007. They basically went and had a wrestling match for, you know, like eight minutes or whatever. And that was cool because it was those two guys. Nobody needed eight minutes of Gunther and, and, and Cody. It, 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 you could have told that story in two minutes, three minutes and gotten out of there. Yeah. And otherwise, I thought, you know, Cody, the other minor critique I have is uh, Cody should have been a surprise. And the reason I say that is the tickets were sold anyway. And I think even if it was one of those wink, wink, everyone knows he's going to be there surprises, kind of like punk at the first dance or whatever, because I think it did mitigate his pop to some degree when he came out as number 30. Whereas if it was a surprise and he wasn't announced ahead of time, the pop would have been bigger. And obviously you want to do everything you can to get this guy ready for WrestleMania. So I think announcing him for the rumble, what did they gain by that? I, I Yeah. I, I've asked that question to a lot of people because I was, completely blown away when they announced him. We, we didn't touch on it too much in, in our preview, but I just couldn't understand why you would do that. I, I just I don't know what the benefit was when everybody bought the thing anyway. And most people knew, you know, what I mean, like, like, give your give your audience some credit for God's sakes. Give them a little bit of credit. Let them know that, hey, you know what? Whether it's Cody doing an interview and saying, ah, you know what, doctors say I won't be ready by Mania, but I, you know, I, I think I can, you know, I, I'm feeling good. You know, maybe I can be ready by the whatever you want to do, whatever you want. Don't announce him and say literally this guy is going to be here because then you just now the surprise is okay. What number is he going to come out? But then even when he came out, it like the pop was big, but it would have been monster, dude. If if nobody knew that Cody was, if if you truly did not know or you didn't know that like. 
even if it was a wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And then there's that tension the entire match where it's like, ah, you know what? I wonder if Cody's going to come out. And then once he comes out, the the door's going to, you know, the, the place is going to, the roof's going to explode off the Alamo Dome. It's going to go absolutely crazy for him. And it, I felt like they lessened that a little bit by announcing And I don't know why. I have yet to hear one argument for why they would announce him other than they wanted people to watch, you know, to make sure to see him. But like, there's ways to do that where everybody kind of knows anyway. There's wink, wink, nudge, nudge ways to to, to do that. I just think they could have done a better job of 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 taking you there without actually giving it to you by saying, hey, look, everybody hinting it enough where everybody with a brain knows, OK, Cody Rhodes is coming back to the Royal Rumble, as we all expected. I, I said a year ago, he's coming back. They, whatever timeline they give you, throw that timeline out. He's coming back at the Rumble. And I really honestly thought it would count down number 30 or whatever. Boom. And then it's Cody Rhodes and everybody goes nuts and he's there and he's ready and he's healthy and he's good to go. They kind of, for no reason whatsoever, took that away, and uh, I don't, I don't know why. But so otherwise, I thought it was very well laid out and a pretty good rumble. Was it a classic rumble? No, but I thought it was a pretty good rumble. I enjoyed it actually. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I was a little bored. I was a little bored at the start. I thought it got off to a slow start, but once it got rolling, I was into it. I thought you know the Logan Paul ricochet thing was a lot of fun. Um, it looks like they're going to go Logan Paul, Seth Rollins for WrestleMania based on some of the hints on TV, which I think could be a great match. Um, it's a shame. I mean, you would think they're going to do Logan Paul ricochet coming off of that, but I, I don't know. Maybe they'll do that match on TV or <laughs> at one of the other shows. Yeah, but, right. Um, that would be really cool. I would like to see Logan Paul versus ricochet. I think that would be a really cool match. I think Logan Paul, Seth Rollins will be good too, but I guess ricochet is not a big enough opponent for WrestleMania for Logan Paul. Okay, they want to put Logan Paul in there, one of their top exactly. guys. Yeah. So it's probably going to be Seth. Now, as far as Cody winning, we called it last week. Look, I, I don't see how you can't, you're not doing Sammy versus Seth, uh, Sammy versus Roman, but we knew they wouldn't. It, it just doesn't play in the, in the big corporate conglomerate publicly traded. You know, WrestleMania is not for wrestling fans. It's not. It's, it's them, it, it's WWE showing out for uh, for uh, them trying to be part of the mainstream and trying to break into the culture every year. And it's not for you, me, and the people listening to this show. That's for sure. It, it hasn't been for a number of years. So it wasn't going to be Sammy. Uh, we said as much last week. We I think we both pretty much predicted Cody, right? I yeah. mean, so, oh, yeah. um, you know, and I don't have a problem with that. And I think Cody will win. I think Cody's going to beat Roman. I think they're going to complete that story of Cody. You know, Cody's whole arc here has been, I'm coming here to win the title. That's why I'm here. That's why I left that other place. And um, I think he's going to, I think he's going to beat Roman. And I think a lot of people aren't going to be happy about that. Um, I think the match should be Sammy, but they're not going in that direction. I guess we'll get to that when we get to that match. But um, uh, otherwise, yeah, I enjoyed the rumble. The pitch black Mac was garbage. The Bianca match was garbage. The women's rumble. Rhea Ripley going the distance means absolutely nothing. I don't think it's, you know, it's not notable. It's not interesting. It's been done a million times. As somebody just pointed out in the chat, Bianca Belair won in 2021 from the number three spot. Rich, they do this all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's not fun or interesting anymore. It, it, it's 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 actually, and, and you know, the psychology is all screwed up. You have two rumbles, and the heel wins from the number one spot, and the baby face wins from the number 30 spot. Right, like isn't that backwards? <laughs> they can't do anything, right? I know. Sh- shouldn't the heel win from the number yeah, thirty spot? Yeah, probably. Yeah, the valiant babyface shouldn't come in thirty when everyone's exhausted and only have to throw out a couple people to win. Yeah, you're right. 
the luck of the draw and, and, for for babyface Cody Rhodes. And then yeah, the valiant asshole heel survives and endures and 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 wins the grueling contest. Yeah, I don't know. Well, you know what? Would it be better if if Cody went the distance and won and you know in his return match and all that and you could work spots around the peck or whatever the fuck. Now to be fair, Flair won it as a heel, but they told a different kind of story in that match. And it was a brilliant story, and it was the greatest Royal Rumble ever. Uh, Rhea Ripley is no Ric Flair. Uh, no, and no. <laughs> this was not quite the Ric Flair story either. Um, again, I didn't think her performance was anything special either for the 61 minutes that she was in there. I mean, she was all right. And, you know, the, the closing moments with, uh, well, you only live once, right? That's yeah, yeah. Uh, who was number and... two, by the way? They did the story three times. They did they had it three the number times. number one and the number two endure until the end, yes just totally uncreative and um you know and i i I didn't think the women's rumble now listen there have been worse women's rumbles some of these women's rumbles have been (laughs) last year was fucking horrendous okay some of them have been terrible and uh, i don't think this one was that bad it just was nothing and then you know the main event was a nothing match i mean a nothing match and this for me has been my issue with roman reigns and this long title reign is as we've moved along, the matches just don't hit. The Logan Paul match was great. The Drew McIntyre match at Clash at the Castle, I got it right the first time. You see that? I finally got it. Nice job. There you go. The Drew McIntyre match at Clash at the Castle was a very good match with the wonky ending. And outside of that, maybe, you know, you want to say the Riddle match? From SmackDown, I don't. Did you watch yeah, that? Yeah, one? yeah that, that was good. I like, I like that match. It was all right. You know, a nice little three and three quarter star match or whatever. And outside of that, that, the matches just haven't been great in this title reign. This title reign has been about the bloodline stuff and the promos and the vignettes and the pre tapes and the backstage stuff and the angles. And this was again a nothing match. I mean, this was like a three star match. This was just, you know, going through the motions. And to be fair. Kevin Owens may have had Jay Briscoe on his mind. We all know he went right to the funeral after this and all that. So who knows? Or it's just they know that they don't have to put in, like, they don't have to have these four-and-a-half-star matches because the people that come to these shows and the WWE fans, they don't give a shit. No, they don't the. You know, they're more into the bloodline story and the angles and all of that. So if I'm Roman Reigns, am I going out there and killing myself and having these great matches? No, I'm not doing that either, you know? But um, this is not going to go down in the smart world as some great world title reign, even though it's been long, because there have not been many great matches. And that's the kind of thing that I, as a fan, and a lot of people that would listen to our show would hang their hat on. Right. right, and these so, two—it's not like these two are incapable of having good matches either. They've had really, really good matches at Royal Rumbles too. They had a one in I think 2017. They had a match. It was really great. I think you and I, I flirted with saying it was five stars. I remember at the time and saying it was like really because that's when those guys were having great performances. When Kevin Owens was having great performances. When, but you, like you said, Roman doesn't have to do that anymore. And and he, you know, I guess smartly is realizing. Look, I go out there, I make faces, a bunch of fireworks go off, everybody goes wild. I go in there and I do my thing. I do, you know, 30 minutes where I, I do five moves. I talk a bunch. Then I hit my, you know, punch and it's over. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're, he's, he's, he's figured it out. He's got it. And yeah, he's not, have, he doesn't have to kill his body at all. He doesn't really have to do much to, to get things over and to get matches over or whatever. And yeah, it's, it's like you said, it's not, it's a different, it's a different style and the fans truly 
usually probably don't care. Like they honestly probably don't because it was so deep rooted in the story and the bloodline and all that. Sort of, and that that's all that a lot of people care about. A lot of your, your, your garden variety, you know, WWE fan right now cares about the bloodline story. Doesn't necessarily care that Roman Reigns only did, you know, nine moves in 30 minutes. That, that doesn't matter. You know, that doesn't matter to them. They, that, that doesn't bother them. And, and it makes for a terrible viewing experience for me. And it's because, you know, now I, I, I really dread these main events because I just, I'm never excited about them. And then they just go on forever and they never really nothing ever happened. So it's kind of a, you know, I got a review from my mom who watched this uh, Royal Rumble and she hadn't she hadn't watched wrestling in a long time. And she said, I thought Roman Reigns was going to be good because he came out and there's all these fireworks and everyone's going nuts. And then he was boring. And I was like, yeah, that's kind of what he does. Like that was her review was like, and he's working, he's working to the gimmick. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He's figured out the gimmick is like, I'm too cool for school. Don't do anything, you know, very deliberate with every one of my movements and every time that I talk and everything that I do and, you know, more power to him because people love him. You know, people love the story. You know, their fans are eating the shit up. So yeah, if I'm him, I'm, I'm thinking, well, no, I don't need to change a thing. What am I going to change? This is working great. It's just like you said, it, historically, it's not going to go down as like a good, you know, in ring title reign, but people, again, people aren't going to really care about that because it's going to be no, this and, amount and, of years and all this sort of stuff. And, 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 you know, Oh, he did this and the stories and, and yada, yada, yada. But it just, it doesn't make for a good viewing experience. If you're not into the story. No, the hardcore WWE fan is going to consider this a legendary title reign because, first of all, Michael Cole pounds that into your head every time he's coming to the ring. Um, you know, only Bruno San Martino and Bob Backlund and, you know, whoever else, Hulk Hogan, have had longer title reigns uh, than Roman Reigns. And he's pa- caught and surpassed everybody else. And um, he has this, you know, and that he has that great entrance theme and the great you know, methodical entrance and they have a, they have all that time. Oh, it looks great. The entrance at. is like other world. Entrance like, is great. Like there, I, again, I was in a room, you know, my mom was watching it. I was in a room and she was watching at home and then I had a room full of like casual wrestling fans that were like, Oh my God, this guy is awesome. And I'm like, yeah, well, just hold on. Like <laughs> take it easy. But they're like, he comes out and he looks like a million bucks. Like the guy, it looks like awesome. It's like an all time, great wrestling presentation with presentation pe- yeah. that he's got the people, he's got the lackeys around him. You got Heyman holding up the title. You got fireworks. You got the music. It takes 15 minutes. You think this is the fucking God. And he is, you know, to that fan base, he is. The problem is for some people, the bell rings, and then yeah, now it's 25 minutes of nothing. Yeah. And um, so the presentation's great and all that. And they they they're pushing this idea that he's having this legendary title reign, you know, with the length and all of that. He just doesn't have any legendary matches to go along with it. Or, or even all that many legendary moments, to be honest. I mean, you have the Lesnar match at SummerSlam with the tractor, which is going to go down as a B-roll forever, right? I mean, you're going to see that over and over. Uh, what else is there during this reign? I mean, think about it. Think about his matches and where are, A, the legendary great all-time matches. Where have his matches finished in our match of the year poll over the last three years? Not, They're non-existent. Non-existent. They're yeah. non-existent. They don't even, you know... Um, and, and as far as, you know, if you want to say, all right, well, only nerds care about match quality and all of that, fine. What are the great moments of this title reign that don't invite? It's all the bloodline storyline. None of it is the matches, you see. So, you know, that's a big disconnect for me with all of this because, Rich, you call me crazy. I watch wrestling to watch wrestling. I know that's a crazy concept. Okay. It's, okay. You're going to have to explain that a little bit, but go on. As a wild concept. But when I watch pro wrestling, a big part of the experience is watching the matches. It's like when a bell rings and, uh, and then they, they they wrestle and then a bell rings and the match is over. That that's the stuff you like. 
I like promos and stories, but you know, I I, I like the matches too. Okay. I know you're not. Right, I know. I know. You know the counter argument to that. <laughs> you know, these days the big counter to that is only nerds care about the matches. Oh, these big guys, they're dorks, matches. Yeah, but I mean, dorks. I, you know, the, the cool fans, Rich, cry when Sami Zayn hugs DUI Us. That's what cool fans do. Cool fans call the bloodline storyline better than any cinema that's what the cool fans are doing it's us nerds our virgin nerd here. dorks yeah that like the wrestling yeah. that like blood and you guts know. and fights you fucking dorks oh you know the hangman and moxley dwellers. you fucking virgin ass nerds Ugh. yeah gross, it's the you know. virgin the virgin basement dwellers who enjoy <laughs> matches rich it's if you're if you're really cool, what you what you really enjoy you're is sobbing. Watching, you're sobbing when yeah. Sami Zayn's holding a chair. Yeah, right. That that's that's what you do if you're cool. You know, uh, that, that that's uh, so so that's how that works. But uh, yeah, he just look the matches in this title reign. There've been again, I pointed out a couple of the good ones. There's been some good ones, but uh, nothing that's going to go down as an all time great match. And really, very little in the way in, in a company that builds itself around moments. Anything, very little in the way of all time moments. So let's let's be honest. You know, it's all been this bloodline storyline, which brings us to the post match. And I thought this was a very well executed angle. Yep. I thought, um, you know, everybody was very good here. Uh, it, it has that classic WWE overacting that I cannot stand. Okay, I don't like it, but it is what it is. That's the way they do things. They're going to make their goofy faces. We all understand that. Uh, it's going to be community theater time, but that's to be expected. But the execution of the angle itself, I thought was excellent. And the crowd went absolutely fucking bonkers when Sami Zayn hit him with that chair. And I thought Roman's reaction to getting hit with the chair was perfect. And then, uh, of course, the Usos take turns hitting him with the super kick. And, and away we go. You know, Sami Zayn finally did it. And I don't know how you come out of this angle and not do Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. It blows my fucking mind. No disrespect to Cody. I think Cody, Roman Reigns is a big-time WrestleMania-worthy match. I think they have pushed Cody tremendously. Because you know what they've done with Cody, Rich? He wins all of his matches. There's no magic formula here. The guy just wins. And he's just a normal he human being. He's also like a normal human. He comes out, he's a normal human, and he wins wrestling matches. And he's over. Yeah, and he, It's weird. And he cuts good promos. And he wins his matches, and it, that's called a push, right? And sometimes we lose sight of that. But you know, so, but again, I, this Sammy thing feels so hot that I, I don't know how you bypass that. But we talked about that last week, and I suppose there's no reason to relitigate all that. But I thought this was a well done angle. It was obviously over like a motherfucker to their fans and to the people in that building. Which, by the way. Packed building. What was the real attendance number? Like the real. Let me 000? see. I, I don't know. Did 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 anybody officially report the? I, I didn't see if anybody uh, got the official number out there yet. Uh, Russell ticks or whatnot. I'll, I'll see. Well, what we I know. Can find. We know. We know it wasn't fifty six thousand. We know that. But <laughs> oh, how dare you! <laughs> but look, it was a legit sellout. It was a good crowd. And a very healthy crowd, no matter what. There's a very is a WrestleMania level crowd. I mean, this is the biggest gate they've ever done for a Royal Rumble. What what did Triple H say? Like three times higher than the last. Or some it was some some ridiculous yeah figure. a lot they made a shit ton of uh, money this weekend seven point seven million dollar gate okay so this show was a massive business success any way you slice it the closing angle got over huge and it's like I said at the top this has been it was very much a modern WWE pay per view men's rumble good closing angle good everything in between shit 
I mean, look at SummerSlam. Damage control forms. All right, that's exciting and fun. They do the tractor shit at the end of the show. A big, giant spectacle. That's a lot of fun. And then the, the other three hours of SummerSlam was just a bunch of garbage. Right. Okay? It's like, that's the pattern here. They give you one or two big moments. And then the rest of these shows, you're twiddling your thumbs. It's just garbage. You know, it's hard to watch. Um, Survivor Series. I mean, that show wasn't any good, but they did the big bloodline angle at the end of the main event. And that's what everybody's talking about for a week. So it's like, um, I don't know. These aren't great top to bottom pay-per-views. Like with AEW, we come on and review those shows on our instant reactions. And we're like, oh my God, this is one of the greatest pay-per-views I've ever. Right. Except for that one hour. They always have that one hour. That's kind of bad or whatever. But even then they've kind of stopped having those for a while. They've had the last few pay-per-views have not had that one hour. That's been bad. But yeah, otherwise it's like three of the four hours are really good. WWE one of the four hours is really good. You know, the beginning and the end and the middle is kind of two matches or something. Right. Yeah. Like they'll do an angle and have one good match or something. And then the rest is just not good at all. And um, that's kind of the pattern, you know, and WrestleMania is going to be the same way. And, you know, and like I said, WrestleMania is not really for the hardcore wrestling fan. It's for the the WWE fan who gets into it. And it's for people who watch one wrestling show a year. So they're putting on a show for those kind of people. And, you know, it's going to be a spectacle and all of that. And, um, you know, so uh, that's really all I have to say about the angle. Do I do I think it, it, this is the greatest angle of all time? I, I obviously do not. I mean, we've seen people turn on each other by getting hit with chairs. I, they're not reinventing the wheel here. Can we take it easy with how yeah, great this the, was? The problem I mean, with this story is like when it was done, I was like, that was pretty well done. I like that story. And then I went online yeah. and people were like, oh, my God, Shakespeare, eat your heart out. This is cinema. This is great. And I'm like, I know that this is like the modern culture that you can't just say, oh, that was pretty good. And right. then like get on with your life. It has to be the greatest. It has to be the worst. It has to be, you know, you got have to be it, it's got to be a hundred or it's got to be zero. It cannot be in between. And it sucks because like I think it was a pretty well done angle. And I would like to come on here and say, like, hey, yeah, they did a pretty good job with it, and it's it's fun, and I'm kind of interested in you know what they're gonna do with the direction. But yeah, you unfortunately have like the 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 flip side of that of people like you know, oh, I'm sobbing at how great this story. I'm like, come on, reel it in a little bit. Like, yeah, it the, wasn't the idea the great, that like, come on. You know, the people saying it's better than the best cinema, and this is you know the greatest thing ever they've ever seen in pro wrestling, and all this. It's a little you're laying it on a little thick. I mean. When you really break it down, this is a bog standard boilerplate fucking angle where a guy just how many times have we seen a guy do a chair tease and then hit the guy that that, and turn on his friend (laughs) literally every week in the attitude era? Yes, every week in the attitude era. We got that. I mean, and maybe they weren't built as long as this one and maybe they weren't as over as this angle is overall. And this was a very like we said, executed great. And look, Sami Zayn. We have never knocked. Oh no, he's killing it. He is absolutely killing it. Everyone is. I mean, um, but everyone else is is fills their role perfectly and 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 does what they're asked and in that over the top, super corny WWE way. Um, and and you know, Sami Zayn undoubtedly look. This is an accident. They didn't mean for this to happen. This was supposed to be a little short-term thing with Sami Zayn to get him through a couple weeks of TV. I heard Dave Meltzer talking about this a couple weeks ago, I think. It, it wasn't Dave Meltzer or was it um, – I don't remember who it was, but somebody else was talking about how 
And this is what we've been talking about, too, over the last few months, how this is an accident. They've backed into this, much like Daniel Bryan in 2016, much like Kofi Mania. That's what Sammy is. This was going to be a television angle, and they were going to be done with it. But Sammy was so good, and it got over, and they just went with it. And when you look at this bloodline thing as a whole, I think what people forget, this thing was long and boring and repetitive and shit until Sammy Zayn got involved. It was just repeating the same Uso story over and over and over until Sammy got in the mix. And that's when it really started to get hot. Okay. And it's funny because they finally execute the turn after teasing it all the time, doing the trial, all this other bullshit. Survivor series was a big tease. Then the trial, they finally execute the turn and the turn is executed to perfection. They got 45,000 people chanting, fuck you, Roman. And then Sammy isn't getting the match. Isn't that a little deflating with, again, no disrespect to Cody? I mean, it's a little deflating, I, I, I have to say. And look, we don't yeah. know where they're going with it. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah, they, they, they've done this before, and they've done, especially for WrestleManias, they have listened to the fans at WrestleManias or whatever. and, and Course corrected. It, yeah, we'll see. Because the, the flip side of this, the, and the issue that they might run into if they're not careful is backlash towards Cody. And that is not what you want to do at this time right now. But if the idea is that, hey, we want Sammy, we don't want Cody, and you keep hitting it over the head like WWE is want to do of saying, no, 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 we want, no, it's Cody and Roman, guys, that's what you want. And the fans say, no, 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 we want Sammy and Roman, and you don't give them that, you do, because Roman is going to get booed. I mean, people know the score with Roman, that's fine. But Cody, they're going to see him as the new guy that's going to, you know, kind of, so that, that's something they're going to have to maybe be careful of is not doing that. So I think they're going to placate that by doing something in Illumination Chamber. Uh, they'll do that in Montreal. And then, or how about just go with the guy who, how about just going with the guy who's I, over? I, I agree. I'm, I'm with Why you. Why do they have to be careful? Now that's rhetorical. I'm not yelling at you. Yeah. This is a classic stop yelling at me. I agree. No, no, no. But that, that's but just kind of, because that's like, what they do. They're, they go ahead with what their story is and they don't really give a shit what the fans think. But, you know, a lot of times, and they have, they have course yeah, you know, in many this case, times. Though, in, in this case, yeah, but in this case, their story was rock, and they didn't get him. Right. So you can do whatever you want. Right. The Cody story is, is not actually the story that you want, and that's why I'm not entirely sure if that's the way they're going to go. I do wonder if Elimination Chamber gives us something in that direction. I don't know. There's a lot of ways they could go, but it does. To me, it felt a little weird that we're already promoting Cody and Roman. I, I don't feel like we're there just yet, but I think we're. I think we're getting Cody and Roman. I think it's locked in, and I think that. Now you do have the two nights to play with. Right, that's exactly, where you have your exactly, little. Exactly. That's where you have your trap door. But I feel like with the way the angle played out, with Jay Uso contributing to the super kick, and you know Jay and Sammy had been, you know, I feel like we're headed towards what everybody thought we were heading towards months ago, which is Sammy and Kevin Owens versus the Usos for those tag titles. Which to me is a big, fat, giant, deflating fart noise, considering it should be Sammy and Roman. You know what I mean? Like, maybe technically that kind of makes sense within the context of the story, but it seems like the better story is just Sammy facing Roman. I wouldn't, doesn't, within the context of this story, wouldn't Roman want to get his hands on Sammy? Uh, yeah, you would assume. And I guess he is going to I, at Elimination know, Chamber or whatever. But yeah, the, what they're going to do is give you the match at Elimination Chamber and then hope that you just shut the fuck up. 
You know, that you, all right, we gave you the match yeah. and then Roman beat him. All right, you guys good? We gave you the story. You good? We're moving on. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I don't know. I, it's, you know, I don't know. And this it is where like, you lose it seems ready made. You... Everything's bought. It's on Peacock. You're not selling pay per views. Tickets are sold. Just do fucking Sammy and Roman. You know what I mean? Like, come on. And listen, this is where you lose me if you try to tell me this is the greatest storyline of all time when you can't even finish it right. I mean, because the, the, the logical finish here now is Sammy. You know, for for this phase of it. Right. You know, and then long term, you're going to do whatever you do with Solo Sokoa, whatever. That's not for now. We talked about that last week. Like, I think long, super long term, Solo has to turn on Roman. But that, we ain't ready for that. No, no, no. no. I mean, Solo is nowhere near ready for that. But, you know, so um, I think too, and we've touched on this. Look, everyone agrees it's well done. It's just some people really over the top with it, comparing it to Greek tragedies. I've seen someone say it was a Greek tragedy. <laughs> and then um, it, it, it sucks because it's a story that I don't hate. I don't hate it. And especially the Royal Rumble angle. I didn't dislike it. But when I have to I compare well it, when I have to compare it to this is the greatest thing that's ever occurred in 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 storytelling history. Greek tragedies. Uh, uh, Shakespeare's Othello, Macbeth, eat your heart out. Now we have the bloodline. It's like, oh my god! Now I feel like I have to yeah. say hey, it wasn't that good, guys. Like, come on! Like, I want to say, I just want to come on here and say that was a good angle. Joe, do you agree? And you said yes. I believe that was a good angle. And then we're fine. And then everybody kind of agrees. Yeah, that was pretty good. But yeah, when we're comparing it to these people who are just like, oh my god, this is the just subtlety. <laughs> right? It's like, oh, okay. Oh, um, it's and listen, like, that's it's just, like and, when, and, when and, Seth turned on the shield and he hit him in the back with a chair. He hit Roman in the back the same way. And I'm like, well, they hit everybody in the back with chairs. They don't do everyone. That's what every chair, chair shot is chair. in the back. Like that's I don't think that's what. But all right. Sure. If you want to take it to that level, take it to that level. Knock yourself out. But it's like it's like the same thing that was happening with the, the, the cinematic matches where then people got so bored. But that was during the pandemic. So people were bored and being like, ah, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to deconstruct every second of this, you know, John Cena Bray Wyatt match and tell you what it but like we don't have to do that with this one. He turned on the guy. He hit him with a chair in the back. Like it's fine. Like it was a good story. Well done. But yeah, we're, we're really showing our asses by like comparing this thing to Broadway or cinema. Like, come on, man. Cool. It. Uh, the cool Greek, Greek track. The, the Greek tragedy comment was not even a rando. That was uh, Phil Schneider of the ringer. Yeah. Said it was like a Greek track. And so I, I'm not even just pulling up random Sasha avatars from, you know, or Roman avatars from, from Twitter here. And I think a lot of that is it's, it's kind of like the pendulum swinging hard. It's kind of like a lot of it has to do with, with the culture war with AEW and WWE. Right, right. It, they've kind of given up the fight. They kind of concede they've conceded that AEW is the better wrestling show. I mean, they've conceded that and they've moved the the argument to, yeah, but wrestling is for nerds. Right, right. See, the, the bell, the bell, the bell stuff is for virgin dorks that live in their basement. See though. And all the mat, none of the matches have stories you see. So in WWE, it's all about the stories and uh, you know, it, and, and this is the great, and, and that's where it swings too far and they have to overcompensate. And because WWE is finally doing a long-term story that seems to be somewhat cohesive and has a decent payoff here at the Royal Rumble, they and, and because WWE does not tell great stories, they in fact tell horrible, terrible, incohesive stories. And name another good story that's going on in that company right now. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, they just they're horrible at it. So now that they've kind of done one that people are 
enjoying and latching onto, there's sort of this instinct to go too far with the praise, right? And it's like, all right, well, okay, AEW might have the better matches, but that shit's for nerds. We have this story, and it's the greatest thing I've ever seen. It's it it, it it's better than than cinema, and it's it, it's 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 just so great, and it's the greatest story ever. To, it's just overcompensation yeah. because there's plenty of people who are just saying they're enjoying it and it's good, and they're not, and they're saying it's really great or whatever, but they're not going overboard and claiming it's the greatest. I mean, at the end of the day, I, like we said, it's just a it, it's. It was a well-timed turn that got over. We've seen a million of those. You know, I, I don't, I genuinely don't understand what makes this one, you know, any better than some, what makes this any better than Shawn Michaels throwing Marty Jannetty through the barbershop window? I mean, honestly, what makes it any better? I, I don't think it is any better, you know, and, and, um, you know, but, but it was well done. And I, I just, again, they're not sticking the landing here. And maybe and they we'll got be proven it. wrong. And they have it. It's right there. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see if they, they they pivot. But you know, right now, to me, it would be no 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 bones about. It. I mean, that that's the match that I'm building to right now. We'll see. I mean, with the reaction it got to, I mean, it's 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 hard for me to understand. Um, but we'll see. And they do have that second night, so who knows? Um, you know, it's just. Uh, and again, remember, this is all accidental. They never intended for any of this to happen. Could you imagine? I mean, we're kind of like indifference on the whole bloodline thing to begin with. I mean, uh, I think we're fair, but we're largely indifferent to the story. I mean, it's a it's a good little story, but it's like if Sammy hadn't gotten over the way he did, could where would this story be yeah. right now? It'd be, this, <laughs> It'd be a real would, boring would, fall and 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 winter for sure. Would we be doing Jay Uso being? You know, uh, at odds with Roman are you oos enough? Yes, <laughs> Jay, are you oos enough now? For the nineteenth time, I mean, is that where we'd be with this? I mean, so you know, thank God for Zami Zayn, he saved this thing that was going nowhere, monotonous bore fest for a year and a half, two years, until Sammy got involved, and um, you know, he he's been great, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I for me, you know, we'll see. They have some time, um. Uh, but it sure looks to me like it's just going to be Roman and Cody. And uh, and like you said, they're going to do whatever they do with Sammy. They're going to try to get that out of the way at Elimination Chamber. And then just stick them, you know, second or third from the top on one of those two nights and have them win the tag team titles. And that'll be the end of his little arc there, I guess. I Yeah, my, my I prediction, know. my fantasy booking prediction that I'm going to make right now uh, is that in that uh, they're going to do Sammy and Roman at Elimination Chamber, then whichever Uso walked out, I think it was Nobody's Bitch that walked out. Wait, do you know which one it was that walked out and, and, and said he was joining with Sammy or whatever? That Uso. That was Jay. That was Jay. Jay. He's Nobody's Bitch, right? Jay? No, he's the right-hand man. The- he's the right-hand man. Sorry. Jay is yes, the right-hand well, man. Yes. I don't remember who was right-hand man. <laughs> no, I, no I went over this earlier. Yeah. Jay is the right-hand man, uh, and Nobody's Bitch is Jimmy. Whatever. So the right the point- hand man left. So what's going to happen is here's what here's my prediction, my prediction, my fantasy booking prediction. They're going to have that match, and then the USO that walked out with Sammy is going to turn on Sammy, join, rejoin the bloodline, and then they're just going to do that guy versus Sammy at Mania, and they're going to think that that will placate you enough. You know why did he super kick him though if he walked out with him? They both super kicked him, right? <laughs> I'm not making that up, no, right? Yeah. So. 
I guess he just felt the idea was he felt pressured. It was going too far. Yeah, it's going too far. Yeah, but that, that's that's my way that they think that they're gonna be able to say, all right, look, you're gonna get Sammy versus Roman. It's gonna be in Montreal. But then what we're gonna do? Because it's in Montreal, by the way, too. So then we're gonna do the Uso comes in and screws over Sammy, and then Sammy's gonna get his revenge against him at Mania, and that's a way to kind of keep him involved in the story, but then get him out of the main thing and have it be okay. No, we want Roman and Cody because that's our big story here. That's my prediction, at least. But we'll see. Huh. All right. I want to watch John Moxley and uh, Hangman Page beat each <laughs> yes, other up. That's go. what I want. To watch. I, I don't know. I'm, maybe I'm a simple man. But, yeah, uh, you, you like the bell rings and you guys kick the fucking um, hell out of each other. Yeah, that's that's cool. That's I like that too. So that's uh, that's Royal Rumble. Um, you know, a show you'll soon forget. Basically. Indeed, indeed. I mean, indeed. everyone will remember the angle, I guess, and uh, the show itself. Uh, typical WWE pay per view offering these days so um all right real quickly before we get to our other non-wwe topics here uh do we want to touch on the wwe quarter four reports that came out uh today breaking news wwe made a lot of money there you go so we got that out of the way there also was a call and there was some interesting stuff on this call uh nick Khan being a big part of it and there was some revealing I would say pretty revealing quotes because, hey, guess what? <laughs> when you actually ask people questions, sometimes you get answers and then you can report on those answers and you can learn things from those answers. So it, it's very strange how, you know, these people would, would, you know, when they're discussing things with an executive of a major company that you then, you know, ask that executive a, a question and then you get an answer and then you can, you know, glean information from said answer. So it's weird how that works. Um so I guess this was not a kayfabe. The quarter, the quarter reports, those calls, not kayfabe. Those are not part of the show, I guess, right? Like like the Royal Rumble press conference, which was part of well, the show, I'm, I'm being told. Well, the, the, that's the other thing, and we really have to push back on this because um, – Quickly, by the, the way, because feckless, we, have a lot, we have a lot else to go on. So. I, I, I understand. It's just the, the feckless cowards that are in those – that are asking some of those questions in that room. And some of the people ask decent questions in those pressers. And this, and listen, if you think this is a WWE thing, we've had these same rants with the AEW Indeed. post-show pressers. So I don't want to hear that. Uh, but the thing is, now to kind of defend themselves, they're saying, oh, well, these aren't the time or the place to ask real questions or hard-hitting questions. <laughs> and oh, not? these are just... These these pressers are just they're an extension of the show and they're they're part of the well, show. Well, fucking pay me then. Well, if no, I, if I'm one of your fucking performers, then goddamn pay me. Then give me a fucking check if I'm part of your goddamn show. Get out of here. Yeah, yeah. First of all, as a media member, you have no obligation to be part of the show. <laughs> I don't have That's to be one. part of the show. Okay. And 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 the other thing is, this is all bullshit anyway, and we really have to push back on this because these press conference, these post show pressers, AW and WWE. They are whatever these reporters choose to make them because they are the ones asking the questions. Okay. If you're going to ask softball questions or you're going to do even worse and ask, first of all, I think anybody that asks a kayfabe question, you're, you're a fucking loser. Right. If you refer to Rhea Ripley as mommy, you you need to leave right now. You got to go. I don't care what, I don't care what your outlet is. I don't care what your what your boss is at. If you ask kayfabe questions in these things, you're a fucking loser. Okay, I'm sorry. That that I know that sounds harsh. Now the softball questions, there's a place for that. There is a place for product related questions, softball questions. Every outlet's different. Not every outlet's going to be a hard hitting outlet. So if you want to ask those kinds of questions, I do believe there's a place for that, and I don't have a problem with it. 
My problem is nobody, uh, well, I shouldn't say nobody ever, but we hardly ever get hard-hitting questions. You have Paul Levesque <laughs> on that <laughs> stage. You have an opportunity. In the midst of what's happened with him and in that company in the last the month. You have Paul Levesque on that stage. You have no restrictions in terms of what you could ask. They don't give anybody instructions. From what I understand, they don't tell anybody anything's off limits. Okay? Paul Levesque, this is like the only crack at him. And we had somebody in that room essentially ask him, Paul, what do you think of critics who are, who are too hard? Yeah, on why, why are people so mean to you? Now, that freak show, Keith Elliott Greenberg, he doesn't belong in the room. I'm sorry. That's that's not a like you you should be ashamed of yourself for asking a question like that. First of all, he used to work there. That's number one. So we know he's feckless because he used to work for them and write for their dopey kayfabe magazine. But whatever outlet he's with now, they should fire him. How can you not fire that guy? He got called on to ask Paul Levesque a question. And that's what he asks him. Why ask anything? So I'm going to say this again. I'm going to say this again. To anybody who are, who is in this room, who who is going to go to the WrestleMania version of this, who was in the room last time, anybody who goes to one of these WWE press conferences, I'm going to say this again. For Paul Levesque, if you get called on, there is one question and one question only that you should ask him before you ask him anything else. Before you ask him, what's it like to put this show together, which nobody fucking cares this is the one and only question anybody in that. And I know some of these people are going to listen to this and get mad at me. And I don't care. There is only one question for Paul Levesque that should be asked. And that is the following. Hey, Paul, you worked for Vince McMahon as a wrestler. You worked for Vince McMahon as an executive. You were Vince McMahon's son-in-law. You have known and or worked for Vince McMahon for the better part of 30 years. You are now in charge. You are on the board of the company the board of directors you're in charge of creative you're the top row one of the top ranking executives when did you become aware that vince mcmahon was using company funds to pay off women who he had inappropriate relationships with that is the first and only question you should ask paul levesque the only question and your follow-up that you should ask before they take the mic away from you is and as a follow-up paul why did you vote not to bring Vince McMahon back into the company in December and then vote to bring him back in January. Walk us through the thought process of what changed between the end of December and the beginning of January when you voted not to bring him back and then you voted to bring him back. I'll hang up and listen, Paul. That's the question. There is no other question. You're a fucking geek if you ask any other question to that man. Then after you ask that one, if you want to ask him what it was like to put together the Rumble and what it feels like to run such a great show. Knock your fucking self out. But ask the real question first. It's your only opportunity. And you blow it. And I'm not talking about Ryan Satin. We all know he's a dope and he's in their pocket. I'm not talking about the fucking dork from uh, from uh, the, the, the bump, Matt Camp. He works for them. He's not going to ask a decent question. But the other two or three people that ask questions, a total failure. Losers. And anybody else in that room who would have asked a shitty question if they got called on, I'm calling you out too. Because if you get called out next time, if you don't ask the question that I just posed, you're a loser. It's a joke. It's your one opportunity to take a crack at this guy and make him answer a hard question. He's a millionaire. He's running the company. 
He's going to take over the company when Vince fucking dies if they don't sell it. He can handle a hard question. And so can Tony Khan. He's a billionaire. He'll be all right. He'll be all right. It's okay to make these guys squirm a little bit in their seat rather than go in there and kiss their ass. And don't tell me this isn't the time or the place for it. Because if it isn't the time or place for it, then when is? When is the time? They're the one giving to doing these pressers. They're the one inviting you into the room. They're not telling you what you can and can't ask. So ask a real question. Show some guts. Show some guts. And if you want to get on my case, because I'm not in the room, when I can get in the room, go right ahead. Maybe I should have driven to San Antonio. Maybe I should have. You're right about that. I'll fall on the sword too. I'm on every Tony Khan call. I've been on calls for Impact. I've been there live for these shows. I've been on calls for MLW. I've been called upon on rare occasion. I try. I haven't been live in the room yet. One day maybe I will. But if you want to get on me for not going to Dallas to talk to Tony Khan, go ahead. You want to get on me for not going to San Antonio, go ahead. But these people were in the room. And they had an opportunity. I, I will, I will say one, one thing real quick. Uh, they don't always return every email. Uh, certain companies do and certain companies don't. Uh, one company has accepted and returned all of our emails for press. Uh, one company has for 11 years not responded to every, any of my emails ever uh, about ever getting any sort of press or any sort of thing. So I'll let you decide which is which. But uh, I will say, yeah, one, it's, it's not there. There is this general idea that, well, you just, you know, oh, you just go. But it's not how it is. They have to let you in. Uh, and they have yet to ever respond to any of my emails about any press for any event that they've ever had. So there you go. I've tried. It's not for lack of trying. Trust me. And if you're afraid of getting kicked out of the room and never invited back, you're a coward. Who cares? Ask Josh Gross when he got kicked out of UFC. Has he not been able to do his job because he can't sit in that little room and throw softballs at Dana White? He does his job just fine. Show some guts. Show some guts. Don't go in there and, and call Rhea Ripley mommy and uh, refer to Samoa Joe as your highness. Like you're part of the show. Clapping. When people enter the room, like absolute fucking clowns, you should wear clown shoes into these pressers. Put on a little fucking rubber nose. You're part of the show and they're, and they're not even paying you. It's embarrassing. It's humiliating. You should be humiliated. Some of these people that ask these dopey questions. <laughs> the other thing, too, about the Triple H thing is even if you didn't want to get into – even if you don't think, ah, you know, I'm not a hard-hitting journalist. I'm not going to get into like the second – I mean you should because good to fucking Christ. Look at what's happened in this company in the last month. Uh, you know, J Vince McMahon has taken back control via, uh, you know, a gigantic board of directors coup or whatever. But like also – Triple H's wife left the company that she's been working. The only job she's ever had and the only company she's ever worked for. She just left that company. Most likely in the wake of her father returning to the company. There's a way if you really want to ask some sort of substantive question, something with some meat on it, something and you don't want to get into the Vince McMahon thing as simple as, you know, Paul. Your wife has recently left the company. It's a company that she, the only company she's ever worked for. How has that adjustment been for, for you and for her? And what are her future plans? Because, you know, you don't know what you're going to get out of that. You don't know what he's going to give you out of that. But I should probably ask why the guy's wife quit the only job she's ever had in the midst of Vince McMahon returning, in the midst of her father returning and your father-in-law returning to the company, right? You know, like, that's, there's a way to do that in a semi-softball way to still get a fucking answer out of the guy. But no, we get... You know, why are people so mean to you? It, it, it's you know, 
you know, the thing is, you're not going to get an answer and he's going to dance around. And them, that's but fine. That, that's not, not answers problem. are good. Not, and that's I, I saw a lot of people say that. And, and, and uh, David Mixenspan, who was on Twitter and in our discord fighting back against that because people are going to say, oh, he's not he's not even going to answer. He's not going to answer. Well, that's good. Then then let him hang himself. Let him squirm on his own. But you asked that question and a non-answer, you can get just as much information out of a non-answer as you can get from an answer. If if you ask that question, he smirks or, eh, or what, whatever he does, whatever he does with his hands, what he does with his mouth, what he does with his eyes, that will tell you a lot. You know what I mean? That will tell you a ton and you can either ask a follow-up, you can either get the mic snatched from or whatever, but you've done your job and, and, and you've made him do whatever it was. Even if he doesn't answer, you still get information out of that. You gotta ask something. You gotta, I mean, you have an opportunity to talk to Paul Levesque, an executive of WWE, in, in the midst of the most tumultuous time in this company's entire history and we're clapping and asking him why people are so mean to them you know like there's been rumors of a sale paul you know how has that affected day-to-day operations of wwe you know what i mean like that again not a, not a real deep let's talk about your, your father-in-law's sexual abuse allegations but like there are substantial rumors that your company is for sale how does that affect your job and the other job of the wrestlers in the company how will how, you know what what have you been told what are what 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 are expectations you know how is this affecting stuff something <laughs> anything i'm not you don't have to go into sexual assault if you don't want to i mean you probably should because that guy's in charge of the company again but jesus christ like ask something something you have paul effect up there It's unbelievable. It's, it's you know, something. And, Ask him something. And, it, look, and we've been on this for a while with all these, you know, but it's like. It's getting worse. To, it's getting worse is the worst part. There has to be a pushback on this idea that it's okay because this isn't the time or the place. No, this is a, this is precisely the time and place. You know, this is when you ask these questions because this is when you have a crack at these people. And if they don't like it, again, the people, the reporters in the room control the tone and what questions are going to be asked. And if these people run in it, don't like it, they don't have to hold these pressers. You know, it's uh, we have to push back against this. It's nonsense. And again, there's room for the other kinds of questions. Not the cave. The cave questions are a joke. You're a joke. You make everybody look bad if you go in there and ask cave questions. Now it's the unique unique nature of wrestling. Sometimes these wrestlers are going to choose to be in character or give kayfabe answers. You can't help that. That's pro wrestling. It is what it is. Well, you, it you know mean it. You have to play we've along. Done, with we've that. done it before. You, you you know it, and then you know. Okay, all right. This is gonna be this is gonna be shit. All right, fine. Okay, whatever. You yeah. know, I'll, I'll play your little game now. But like, you got to ask them first. You got to start by getting real. You know what I mean? <laughs> Asking real questions. And if they're gonna kayfabe you into bullshit, then you know it's a dumb interview, and then you just get done with it as quick as possible. That, that's how I handle. If you're gonna talk to me in kayfabe, I'm not interested. I don't I don't really want to talk anymore. I, I can't fathom getting called on to ask a question to Paul Levesque and then your question is uh how's it feel to book NXT talent at the Royal Rumble? I, I can't fathom that coming out of my mouth. This month of all months <laughs> this month when his wife left the company and his father-in-law executed a successful political coup to take back the company and now it's going to be for sale possibly to the kingdom of Saudi Arabia and you ask how do you book NXT talent at the Rumble (sighs) (laughs) it's done we're done it's over the fight is done Joe there's no point it's over we lost it's okay 
It's over. It's done. If 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 that if if you can't ask Paul Levesque a real question this month, it's over. Yeah, I you we're know, done. It's just, over. Yeah, pack it in. It's done. Don't even get mad about it anymore. Well, and they and they and they're they're scared of it because they called on Ryan Satin and Matt Camp first. <laughs> right. Oh, they, they thought they thought they were going to get it and then look out. You know, don't worry. But, but they. But then they called on some people who who could have had some guts and asked a real question, and they didn't, and it's disappointing. And maybe there were some people in that room who would have asked a better question to Paul Levesque. You know, maybe, maybe. But he's done two or three of these now, and nobody has yet. And, it, you know, it, it, it really is a shame, and we have to push back on this idea that it's not appropriate to do so. What a fucking joke that is. What a joke that is. If you really feel that way, you don't belong in the room. You know, and that doesn't mean you have to go in there and you have to be hard hitting and you, 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 you know, you have to be some uh, hardcore investigative journalist. But don't sit there and say that it's not appropriate to do that because that's bullshit. They're opening themselves up to questions. They're not putting any, you know, uh, restrictions on them. You could ask whatever you want. And it's not out of line. And as soon as they start putting restrictions on the questions, nobody should go. And, you know, I'm I'm sure some people wouldn't. But, you know, 90% of those people wouldn't have any guts and they'd go anyway. They'd go anyway, yeah. 90% of those people would go even if they handed them the questions to ask. Most of those people would go. They'd pull out the little index card that they handed to them and ask whatever they want, you know. There's some people in there that do a nice job, and I'm sure that they they would, you know, but it's few and far between. Prove it every time. So it's infuriating. We just have to push back on this. Do not let them off the hook by convincing you that these little that these pressers are just, you know, they're part of the show. It's not the right time or place. Bullshit. Bullshit. They're trying to let themselves off the hook by saying that. Don't let them off the hook. This stuff can't get better. Okay. Unless we make it better. And again, you want to blame me for not being there? Go ahead. That's fine. I can take the heat. I'm not going to hide behind, ah, oh, well, they're make-believe press conferences anyway. No, that's not the case. Anyway, we got a lot to get to. Let's talk about something else. Let's do that. Uh, real quickly, uh, the Nikon uh, stuff in the quarter four uh, presser or the the, the quarter four um, um, uh, uh, call and, and report. Uh, Brandon Ross, uh, a reporter, asked uh, Nikon point blank if Vince McMahon would step away if it meant maximizing value for shareholders regarding a sale. He said yes. That's a pretty poignant also- answer there. No, yeah, that's that's one of the big takeaways of this thing. The other thing was Vince was not on the call. Vince was not on the call. It was Nick Khan, it was uh, Paul Levesque, and it was, um, who was the third Frank guy? A. Riddick, was, uh, I think, right? It was Riddick, right? It was Riddick. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, th- I don't make too much of Vince not being on the call, and I'm going to tell you why. He never liked being on these calls to begin with. And, you know, we talked about this when Nick Khan went on the press junket to uh, – you know, did, did all those podcasts a couple of weeks ago. Um, Nick Khan really is sort of the face of the company when it comes to this stuff now. And even when Vince was around the first, the, the first time before he left and came back, 
he really said very little at these things. You know, he he had progressively begun to talk less and less. The last couple of years, he would get on and go, oh, we've, uh, we've uh, projections and we've, we've exceeded projections and now I'm going to take give it to Frank A. He would do the intro and then he'd be out. He wouldn't answer and any questions. And then he'd questions. be out. Yeah. yeah, he'd hand it over. So I'm not surprised at all. Number one, he doesn't like doing these things. Number two, they don't want him to get any of these kinds of tough questions that we're talking about. They don't want some investor to get on and because they can't regulate this, this is, you know, <laughs> and he's being sued by half of them right now. So, <laughs> right. So, yeah, exactly. So they don't want to Vince to get the wrong question that he has to and possibly give the wrong answer to. So it doesn't surprise me at all that he wasn't there. He barely participated the first time around on these things anyway. So um, some of the other takeaways, they're going to get more aggressive with their uh, with their corporate um, partnerships with like this Mountain Dew thing. They're going to have more matches that are built around sponsors. Nick Khan talked about putting logos on the wrestling mat, the kind of stuff you see in MMA and in Lucha where uh, the sponsor logos are on the, on the physical mat. What I find interesting, and they broke all kinds of records at the Royal Rumble for sponsorship money, and one of the big themes of this call was sponsorship money. And you know, marketing, that was Stephanie's department. And that's why Vince basically fired her the first time because the idea was she was underperforming in those areas. And you notice they're kind of thinking outside the box, doing a lot of different things in those directions. And to me, that really reflects poorly on Stephanie and speaks to the idea that she was doing a poor job in those areas because she comes in because they want a McMahon in charge while Vince is gone. Right. We all know that's why they brought her back. And as soon as Vince comes back, she's gone again. Okay. Cause that her as you know, this puppet is no longer needed because Vince is back. And you look at all these different marketing initiatives they have now and all these different things that they're doing. I just think that reflect reflects very poorly on Stephanie McMahon. Um, because you know, all the talk at the time was the thought was she was underperforming in that part of the job. Um, what were some of the other, um, key takeaways you think obviously the record revenue this quarter right, right right everyone was expecting or for the year record revenue for the year um uh here you go uh nikon said the sponsorship revenue is up 98 percent so far in 2023 from the same period last year and the sales for the rumble tripled so that's kind of what I was just speaking to. Right, right. Uh, obviously. It, it said that there are going to be more matches with themes. Like he said the Applebee's deal that yeah. they did was big. The Mountain Dew Pitch Black deal they did was big. So there's going to be more of those. Because that, that, that's guaranteed money and all I have to do is slap a logo onto a, a match and call it. I mean, it's it's farcical, but who cares? You know, they're, 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 they're in the business of making as much fucking money as humanly possible. So, you know, as as has been bandied about for some. I don't know. I don't know if this is an actual rumor or what, because we've been doing the show as I've seen these. But apparently like a cinnamon toast crunch match or something like you're going to get those. You know what I mean? It's going to be, it seems yeah. farcical now, but it's going to become commonplace because this company is not interested in anything else, but just making as much money as humanly possible. And they're getting pretty good at it. They're getting really, really good at it. Yeah. They're bringing in a lot of money with that stuff. Um, so yeah, that was a major theme of the call. And uh, uh, Paul did say, somebody asked him about having Vince McMahon around. He said it has quote, been great on uh, having him back. Even just at the board level is a great asset to the company. Yeah, so a little tip to anybody who's in the room at WrestleMania and you have a chance to ask Paul a question, what I would do is bring up that quote 
from this uh, from this investor call mm-hmm. and then ask Paul why he voted no to bring Vince back at the end of December as part of the board. Right. I would I would maybe ask a question like that. Yeah. And where and by the uh, way, where's your wife and why did she quit the only job she's ever had? Right. As soon as her father came back. <laughs> right. Yeah. The company that you two are going to take over together. She has now quit uh, and, and left that company. So now, you know, where, where does what are her future plans now that she's left the company that she was destined to inherit for the last 30 years? Paul, how long have you known and when did you become aware that Vince McMahon was using company funds to pay these women off? And uh, why would you vote to bring someone back who behaved that way when they were with the company? How about that question? Anyone have the guts to ask that one? I don't know. You know, they don't. (laughs) Matt, Matt, Matt Kuhn says nobody has the guts. He says uh, no one would have the guts to ask those kinds of questions to Paul Levesque or Tony Khan. They would wilt under the pressure. Listen, listen, Matt. Worry about your 19th attempt at doing a successful podcast. Okay, don't don't talk about this kind of stuff. You don't know what we're talking about. Okay. But maybe Matt Coon's right because it appears that he's no, correct. He, I, that he, probably, he is. I think he is right. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, the, the people in the room have proven him right. So, uh, you know, maybe I should apologize to, uh, to Mr. Coon, who's on his 19th attempt at doing a successful <laughs> podcast. So... All right, let's 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 move on to WWE. So we might, I, I think this might be an overrun night, but we'll we'll see what we can do here. Uh, I want to get to the CLL stuff, and then we'll get to New Japan and AEW house shows and reels and all that other stuff. If if we have to do overrun, we'll we'll do it. But I want to talk CMLL because that is something that 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 I think will get us back on the right track, get us excited about wrestling again, get us feeling happy about wrestling again. Because you talked about this a little bit last week, and I then went and started watching a lot, uh, pretty much all I could of CMLL from this year and it's hot. I, th- that is a company that feels really hot right now. It's got a good talent roster arena, Mexico. These crowds are nuts. I mean, they're getting, they're getting good crowds. They're getting loud crowds. They're getting hot crowds in arena, Mexico. And it just feels like there's, there's something bubbling here and, 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 and it hasn't felt that way. And, and more people are picking up on it too, because we're having, you know, in, in our discord mirror, people are talking about CMLL, uh, you know, on wrestling observer radio, they're talking about it. It does feel like there is this groundswell of people kind of getting back to that company in, 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 in one way, shape or form and saying, well, hold on a minute. What's going on here? Whereas so much wrestling around the world is, you know, can at times feel, especially Japan, it sometimes feels still, we're, we're getting close. We're getting close in Japan and we might already be there, but this feels like, you know, out of the pandemic, this company is ready to go and, and feels feels hotter than ever to, to me. I, I, I've everything that I've watched, I've really liked the talent I like. And like I said, it's just the atmosphere there in Arena Mexico is really, really cool. It's just a really, really hot crowd, a really excited crowd. And yeah, there's just a lot to like out of CML this this year. So I, I, I bounced around. I sampled a bunch of stuff. Uh, we'll talk about a few of the matches here. But uh, overall, what have been your thoughts on, on, on what you've seen from CMLL uh, as you've watched it so far uh, in 2023? Well, they've been out of the pandemic for a while. I thought they had a really strong summer. And I thought the anniversary show was obviously one of the better shows of the year with the two great mask matches. And that show really told a show long story to build up to the, uh, the Stuka junior uh, Atlantis junior mask match that main event of the show. So that was an excellent show. One of the best shows of the year, honestly. Um, so they had a really good summer and, you know, I've kept one eye on the company since. And when the calendar turned, I've watched pretty much um, I've watched every Friday show in January and selected matches from some of the other shows. So I've seen all the arena Mexico stuff on Friday nights and um, yeah, they've got super hot crowds right now. And a lot of these main events 
are really hitting. The January 1st, the January 6th Soberano Jr. versus Templario match was the first great match of the month on the first Friday of the month. Um, then the following week on the 13th, and I'm going to go back to that other match, but the following week on the 13th is when they shot the angle with Rocky Romero and Volador Jr. They did the main event was Averno and Mystico versus Rocky Romero and Volador Jr. And Averno and Mystico won in two straight falls. And then they did the angle. Did you see any of this or no? Uh, I did. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So then they did the angle and then they did like a short match between Rocky and Volador and, and to set up the following week on the 20th, where they did Rocky versus Volador proper for Volador's welterweight title. So there were three straight Fridays where they got off to a real hot start with stuff going back to the sixth um, with the Soberano Jr. Templario match. Did you see that one? Uh, I did. Yes. All right. So you saw that match and you saw Rocky versus Volador. Which one did you prefer? Uh, I think. I think I liked Rocky and Volador just a little bit more. The, the, the other one was really, really good. The Tapario really good. But I thought Rocky and Volador just had a different weight to it. Uh, uh, being in the main event, being for that title, uh, and just being a, it worked at a little bit more of kind of a, a, a quote-unquote main event style or whatever. So I liked Rocky and Volador Jr. a little bit more, but both were really, really good. Both were, were solid as hell matches. Yeah, I think I preferred Soberano and Templario a little more. I thought that Rocky and Volador had bigger spots and felt like the more dynamic match, maybe. I don't know if dynamic's the right word, but tons of huge spots. But Rocky and Volador down the stretch, compared to Soberano and Templario to me, felt more like guys just doing stuff. Whereas Soberano Jr. Templario felt like a more cohesive match to me. And so I do think that I preferred... I don't have I I didn't bring my uh my notes my my notes are in another room but I, I think I had Soberano Jr. and Templario at four and a quarter and I think I had uh, Rocky and Volador at four flat so both great matches obviously Rocky's post match promo was great I think Rocky's doing a great job as a heel right now and obviously he won you know the titles typically don't mean a ton in CMLL but he did win the welterweight title from Volador. Um, in the process of beating him, but I like that they did the angle the week before, and then um, and then came back with the title match next week, and then Rocky won. Volador challenged him to a hair match. Did you catch that? I saw that. Yeah, Rocky doesn't have and, a lot to go, but all right, sure. Well, Rocky <laughs> told him to kick rocks, but obviously they're gonna they're gonna do it. Obviously, like like eventually he's gonna agree to it. I would think. Like I don't think I don't think they'd have Volador make that challenge and then ultimately not at some point do the match. So. Um, you know, eventually they're going to do it. So, um, anyway, th those were tremendous singles matches, both of them on the 13th, there were two singles matches to me that stood out too. And maybe you didn't catch these, uh, Dolce Gardenia no, versus v I did that match ruled. That match that was, was so yes, good. Yes. That, right, match that, was, rocked. that was my hot take is that I almost like that match as much as I liked Rocky and Volador. When that match was over, I thought nothing of it. I'm just scrolling the video. I see a singles match. I'm like, all right, you know what? It's a singles match. Let's, let's watch it. And when it was done, I went, holy shit, that's just as good as Rocky and Volador. Holy crap. I love that match. Yes. The only knock was I thought the third fall ended a little flat for that Gardenia versus Virus. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 I see what you're saying. Yeah. For people that haven't seen it, it, it yeah, it, it probably did. 
The third fall I thought was a little flat, but Virus has always been, he's been like an underground favorite. People love his work. Uh, he's a great grappler. He works real snug. Um, you know, and Gardenia, uh, more of a flamboyant gimmick, but I thought their their match was, and that was on the 13th. Yeah, that the last was outstanding. Time I, I saw Gardenia a couple years ago, obviously, when I was watching Simo more regularly, and I just, I this is somebody who's, I, like I looked at 31 right now, might be getting to that age that we always talk about where you get to that certain level where your your body and your mind start to kind of come together because I thought he was way better than I remember him being. And that's why I was so shocked when I, I was like, ah, Virus and, 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 and Dolce Gardena. I, I mean, I'll watch it anyway and see what's up. And then when it was done, I was like, whoa, hold on a minute. <laughs> like, Virus, I know. He, he's awesome. He's going to be good. Uh, I got a way more on Dolce than I thought I was going to get. So that 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 had me interested. I was like, okay, hold on a minute. We might have something here. We might have something. And I think he's... He's trained by like Ultimo, right? Or he did he come up in some Torium on Mexico? I, I forget the exact lineage uh, uh, of him, but I don't know. I don't know his background. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. It felt it sure looked like um, it. I mean, if I if I had to guess, I would say he came from some of that. But he had he had a style that definitely spoke to me as a fan of of, of the Toriumon style. Well, Hechicero and Euphoria was on the same show, and I thought that would be better, but it wasn't. I preferred the uh, Gardenia versus I agree. match. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I, I thought um, I, I went in well, I went in to watch that match and ended up finding this one and said, ah, you know what? I'll watch it anyway. That's fine. And then ended up, you know, saying, okay, now I'll watch Hachisero and Euphoria. Uh, Euphoria. And it, it's fine. It, it was okay. But um, the, yeah, the, um, uh, the undercard stuff, because I've watched everything. A lot of the, um, un- and I know you didn't have time to go back and watch the entire fucking month of CMLL. So you're just hitting the, the, the the high notes here but um even the underneath stuff a lot of it is really landing um they're just they're, it's just sometimes a promotion just begins to click on all cylinders and um you know and and, and everything is just working now there was the um i i watched a tag from i'm trying to find the date um let's see it might not have been a friday show it might have been um i did not see mystico versus stuka jr yet i know people that's good yeah you, you, you'll like that mystico's I awesome. see, you saw that yeah okay mystico's awesome in that yeah it's 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 much more high flying obviously than some of the other matches that we've been talking about because you have both wrestlers that can go um it was it was good though it wasn't it it, it it's probably shorter than you think it's going to be. And that's, I think one of the fun things about watching all these matches is like, I'm settling in for like, Oh, you know, it's 15 to 20 minute matches. They're not, they're like seven minutes in and out. And I'm like, Oh my God, where has this been in my wrestling world? I got to readjust my wrestling, you know, mind to like a seven minute match is fine. And it's okay. It can be seven minutes. Uh, and, and, and that one, you know, the uh, good, you know, Mystico is, is solid as hell. Um, yeah, I, I think you'll like it. It's, it's a match that definitely will work for you. But again, like I'm saying, everything that I've been hit, I, every time I landed on a match and watch it, it hit. I was like, oh my God, this one was good too. What the hell? Like, I'm just scrolling, finding matches, watching them, and enjoying almost every single one, which was pretty wild. I did not expect that when I was, you know, going through my rewatch. Yeah. The, you know, these lucha matches a lot of times do not overstay their welcome. And, um, that's a good thing. And the other thing is I think it's good to mix in different styles because it, it keeps your, it keeps your wrestling mind fresh too, where, you know, you watch it, you know, there's a major WWE pay-per-view this week. Then you're watching a ton of Pro and you're watching AEW, and then you put on what I've been doing is then I, you know, I see CMLL has uploaded something and, and I, and I, and I just sit and watch the show and it's just such a different style that, it kind of recalibrates your brain 
Um, so you're not getting tired of the other stuff you're watching because it's so different, you know? So I think that's helpful too. When it's good, obviously it still has to be good. Um, you know, if it's, if it's bad, you know, but, but the CMLL has been, has been very good right now. I just, I, I, I'm trying to find the, the dates get mixed up between the, uh, the Friday shows and the other shows, but I watched a tag with, I think it was Angel de Oro and, Niebla Roja versus who did they fa- they face Teton? Hold on, I'll, I'll grab it for you now. Yeah, it's not it ringing was, a bell for me. I don't I don't think I saw that one. Hold on, it was um, yeah, it was from the sixth. It was Angel Dioro and Niebla Roja versus Guerrero Maya Junior and Teton. That was uh, that was from the sixth. That was. That was okay. It wasn't at the level of some of these other matches we're talking about, but that's what I'm saying. Like even the undercards on these Friday shows have been, have been very entertaining. It's not guys just going through the motions. Like they worked really hard in that match. And, um, and, and, you know, it was a solid, you know, three and a quarter, three and a half star match. But, um, you know, I think the best match though I've seen during this January run, like I said, I haven't seen that's what the disclaimer of, I haven't watched last Friday yet um, was the Sobrano Jr. versus Templario match was my favorite. I thought Sobrano Jr. was fantastic in that match. Uh, Templario to me, um, I, I don't feel like he's quite the worker that Sobrano is. And I think that came through in the match. Um, there was some, uh, you know, spots where he just wasn't laying in like I want, like like you like to see, and maybe he was a half a step behind. But I thought Soberano's performance in that match in particular was super good, and I did like it a smidge more than the Rocky Volador match. Um, but we'll see where the Rocky Volador things go because that's it's they're obviously not done. Um, and I, and I think because he made the hair challenge, they're eventually going to do the hair match. But um, but I'm into the CMLL now. I'm, I'm at the point now where. Um, you know, the summer got me back in and then I would check in every now and then if I was out of stuff to watch for the rest of the year. But when the calendar turned, I committed myself to it and it just happens to be really good. So now I'm at the point where when something emerges, I I'm, I'm in and I watch. So we'll see how long it holds my attention with everything else that's going on. But, um, at least the matches that we've talked about here, I can strongly recommend to people to go seek out. And a lot of them are right there on for free on CMLL's YouTube page. Yeah, they're, they're all, all full shows are up there. Full shows are up there. Yeah. Um, once you kind of find what date it is, and, and I think they, they'll put the date either in the description or on the video itself. Once you get that, then, yeah, you can go look up results and, and, and figure it out. So if you know nothing, if you're dropping in and saying, I've never watched Lucha before, I've never watched CMLL, I know nothing about what's going on here, uh, it's not that difficult to kind of figure out. I, I, I think you can do it. They, they make it pretty easy. And I will say, too, one of the things I have liked is that I know, um, you know, I, I've always made a mention that I don't love the two out of three falls, but accept that that's part of Lucha and it's okay. It's whatever. There's some matches. They're not doing that anymore. They're moving away from making every single match that way. And there yeah. are a lot of matches that the, the Rocky Volador, um, I don't believe, right. That didn't have any, that was just a straight wrestling match, right? Some of these matches have been, you know, not, they've been one fall. Some right. Of these matches so, we talked about, which is yeah. cool. Like I, it found nope. me like, again, I don't, I didn't want them to change what they've been doing for a hundred years or whatever. That's fine. I'll just have to adjust my expectations or whatever. But the fact that there are matches now that are just straight up singles and, and, and or straight up one fall. 
I like that even more. Now it's like, okay, well, the one of my big hurdles with Lucha was the two out of three falls just because that was a hurdle with me again, you know, but now when I don't even have that, it's like, well, shit, then hold on. Like what's what's stopping me from enjoying this stuff and nothing. (laughs) I mean, almost literally nothing because I've really liked it. It's it's it. The the CML YouTube stuff looks good. It, It doesn't look dingy. It's good quality. So, yeah, if you're trying to jump in. Now's a, a, a fantastic time. Just go to their, their YouTube page and you can follow along with pretty much everything we talked about. Yeah, they do the mano y mano or the lightning match sometimes where it's just one fall and and you know, so it it they are sprinkling them in um a little more, but um, you know, you could easily follow it on their YouTube page. You can you can as as a ca- if you want to be a casual viewer of CMLL. Yeah, if you don't care you're a week late to a match or whatever, two weeks late to a yeah. match or whatever, yeah, you follow for free on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. If you, yeah, exactly. If you, if you don't have, if you, if you're not concerned about being right on top of it up to the minute, or keeping up with, because they're doing a lot of like pay-per-views now with some of these shows, or, you know, if you don't want to pay attention, you could just watch like the Friday shows on YouTube and just keep up that way very easily. And a lot of the matches we're talking about are free and legal right now on their YouTube page, right there for everybody to watch. So, um. You know, we, we were going to talk about last week, but it, it actually worked out better because waiting an extra week gave Rich a chance to watch some of it. So it was a two way conversation instead of me just talking about it and, you know, Rich taking a nap. So um, that actually worked out a little better. But like, I'll keep an eye on it. And if it stays Absolutely. interesting, we'll we'll keep talking about it. For sure. Yeah, we're, we're never and, stuck and in I, the mud. I, we're, I, we're, we're never on this show. It's one of the things I've loved about this show is that we will, whatever we're into at this time, we'll move to it. You know, there, there's there's top, top tier stuff that we have to talk about, major stuff. We have to talk about WWE. We have to talk about AEW. But the other stuff, the periphery stuff, man, we can move anywhere. We were at all we were almost an all New Japan show for a while. Moved on from that. We were we talked Dragon Gate. We talked All Japan. We'll talk to Noah. We'll, we'll go anywhere. We'll go to Mexico. We'll go to Australia. Australia will go to England. It does not matter. Wherever there's good wrestling that's got us excited, that's what we're going to watch. Whatever's interesting, right? We're not beholden to any company, any region, any anything. It's it's whatever's interesting that we find fun to talk about. We're going to. And I just I prefer CMLO style to AAA. Oh, AAA is junk, man. I'm done with AAA. I I I, I'll be stuck in the mud on that because we we talked about it last year when we watched one of the Triple Manias and it was done. And I was just like, I don't really want to watch this shit anymore. It's 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 garbage. It's just it's garbage wrestling. I think we ended our review with AAA is just garbage wrestling, and it is. It's just it's trash. I don't really want it. Yeah, I mean, there's great wrestlers there, and a lot of times the main events with Vikingo or Phoenix are really good. I've just had enough with the with the plunder underneath. I've just had enough, and I've had enough of like the four and five way matches. I mean, they're 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 good, but I've seen them a million times. You know, I, I, I how many times can I watch the same half dozen guys in a four or five way match on these Triple A shows? You know, at, at some point, you know, Taurus is a great base, and I love watching you know Arez and and Phoenix and all these guys you know do these great things but it's like eventually it all blends together and and I and I you know the plunders too much and I, I don't know I just the CMLL style the tradi- the more traditional lucha yeah. is kind of production production wise of AAA too I, I I hate the production of AAA it's very loud there's explosions going. The cameras are weird. There's just there's just and where where CML you don't get that. It's just like you said. It's traditional lucha, and sometimes it's boring as fuck. And there's been right, times that's where we, the yeah. thing. <laughs> when CMLL is bad, it is bad. Like when CMLL is boring, it's like one of the worst promotions to watch. It's just you, you can't watch it. But when it's hitting the way it is now, it's so much fun. You know, especially as a change of pace. AAA to me is is game changer wrestling with better wrestlers. That's what it is. It's just a, 
you know, it, it's a garbage promotion. It's, 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 it's junk. It's poorly booked on top of that. You know, not that I should be throwing roses at CMLL's booking, but, <laughs> right, but, but still, but everything I've watched this month has been, has look, look, a lot of these matches are building to other matches. I mean, they're doing a nice job right now. I mean, this could all fall apart in a month. I mean, but again, we will pay attention to this and be on top of it as long as it remains interesting. So. All right, so we are out of time officially. You want to go? You want to do an overrun? We haven't done an overrun in a while. Uh yeah, that sounds like a good we'll idea. Do a, we'll do, do a we quick hitter one. We got AEW house shows. Quick they hitter. are running house shows. We'll talk about that. Reels is becoming a player in pro wrestling, so we're going to talk about reels uh, and discover if we have reels on our cable network. I assume we do. Uh, I, I think I do. I'm going to go find out in a little bit. We'll find out. Uh, Kota Bushi is a free agent. We're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, the conclusion of his, his contract in New Japan and what is next for him, uh, as well as a brief stop in uh, New Japan for the New Beginning uh, shows coming up this weekend. We'll just talk about the major, major uh, matches uh, on those. So I think that, that that's worthy of an overrun. There, there's a couple quick hitters there. Won't be too long, but I, I think we can do that. So the way we do this, if you're a new, uh, if you are a $10 subscriber listening live right now, don't go anywhere. Stay here. We're going to do it on the same video that we're doing this right now. We're going to continue to go live and we will just talk. For those of you listening on the free flagship feed, we are going to bid you adieu in a moment. We're going to say goodbye, and we're done. If you want to listen to the overrun, you can do so at flagshippatreon.com. It is in the $5 tier. Just look for the overrun. Uh, flagshippatreon.com, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling, voices of wrestling.com slash patreon. So again, if you were on the free show and you're listening to this now, we are going to end. But if you want to hear those topics we just talked about, we are going to do that on the overrun. If you are listening live right now, or you're listening to a replay and you're a $10 subscriber, Stay here. We're not going anywhere, and we will do the rest of the overrun on this file. Um, but uh, I think I got it there. So that is it for us. That is Joe. I am Rich. We will talk to you next time on the Flagship Podcast. Take care. Hey, now. It's Mike Gilbert, host of the Mike and JD Show, right here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Join JD by God Oliva and myself every Thursday night live on the Voices of Wrestling YouTube channel at 11.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time as we stay up all night discussing all the hottest stories in professional wrestling. You can also check us out right here on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting feed or you can subscribe to the Mike and JD Show feed. Now, enjoy the show.